Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Stacks. This is Jay. And I'm Shanna Sukamoto, director of such incredible <laughs> films as Alex the Goblin. You, you, you've done this one before. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah, you I did. didn't do Alex the Goblin, though. You, no, it was not the Goblin. But, uh, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> the, the other one was going to be uh, telling the exact same story that they told five times in the support group in Videophobia. Mm, yeah, but yeah. It, I couldn't incorporate my name into that. There's a lot of somehow. It. It's very long too. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked as good. Uh, but our first film, continuing our uh, exploration of the works of Shunya, or, sorry, Shunya Tsukamoto, uh, is his 1990 movie Hiruko the Goblin, which came out in between the two signature Tetsuo films, uh, and is a very different flavor. Completely different. I, <laughs> if you. Had, if I didn't already know, I wouldn't have believed that this was the same director in the same era as those two films. Like, how do you go from Iron Man to this to another Iron Man? Yeah, and like at the time, Iron Man was the departure, apparently. Like, at least oh. according to him on, in the interviews on this disc where, where we were watching the uh, recent Mondo Macabro release. Uh, which I have the, I think I have number 29 of the the numbered edition. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like in the 20s. <laughs> yeah, I, I ordered it in like the first two minutes it was on sale or something. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, I was excited to see this. This is sort of a of gap course. in the series. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess most notably, it doesn't star Sukumoto himself, which all of the other ones we've watched did. I was kind of looking for him, too, but at the same time, I don't know what he looks like without copious amounts of makeup, so I, I wouldn't have found him. Uh, but yeah, no, he, well, I mean, you'd recognize him because he's in all of them in, in different forms of makeup, but uh, but yeah, he's not in this one. Uh, he just directed it, and notably, it doesn't have a score by Chu Ishikawa like all of the others do, and that's like a big part of the vibe. Mm-hmm. The, the industrial nature of it. And, and I guess as well that the location of this is not industrial. Yeah, no, it's um, like a rural uh, school, I think. Yeah, and, and it's just uh, like this bright, colorful, pastoral area, uh, which is just totally opposite to just the hyper-urban landscapes that you see in both of the Tetsuo movies and pretty much all of them, like certainly uh, Tokyo Fist, Definitely in um, the bullet one. Uh, yeah, uh, bullet ballet for sure. So yeah, it's it's weird to see suburban uh, Sukumoto, and it's also extremely uh, influenced by eighties American horror. It's it's like he was trying. It's like he was making Stranger Things, but with a slightly different uh, horror reference pool uh, than what they ended up using of the. Well, kind of just uh, a more uh, actually horror oriented, where yeah. they kind of lean more towards the family entertainment, the Spielbergy side of things. This leans towards Carpenter. Yeah, and we Ramey. got Ramey, Carpenter, a um, little bit of Alien in there. And there's definitely Stephen King. Like there, there's oh, yeah. a, a lot of it. There's a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this is based on a manga, so I don't know how much of it is from that. 
the the manga is called notably yokai hunter per our debate at the end of uh, last week's episode whether we should watch a yokai movie or the next Tsukamoto. we ended up doing both it's a yokai movie a goblin actually translates into yokai at least sometimes or at least in this there's certainly points where they say yokai and you can see that the subtitles put goblin in place of it well it would make it makes more sense (laughs) for this to be a yokai than i mean goblin kind of evokes a different thought or, or like a different image for us uh western folks true but i guess it's mainly that yokai isn't evocative to western people so oh uh, yeah here like yeah hiroko the yokai doesn't to a western person it wouldn't mean anything necessarily whereas goblin is like oh goblins yeah goblins. alex jones warns you about yeah uh uh gonna turn the frogs gay yeah uh and this yeah it's just very strange and and like heavily referential uh the the whole stephen king's it thing is really huge like Mm -hmm. that's probably uh it feels like a primary text just kind of transported to more of a raimi universe like if stephen king's it was taking place in the same universe as the evil dead yeah but with Ash on another continent, there, the Deadites have to find someone else to harass, and they just don't enjoy it as much, maybe, because they're not screaming. Yeah, I mean, you do have some Deadites, but like, it's it's a little bit different, and it's a little it's, different. It's like Evil Dead Summer Vacation. It's it's got real summer vacation vibes, and like the opening is kind of quietly lyrical, and it takes a while for things to start. Uh, happening and then all of a sudden there's just a huge spray of blood and it's like oh we're in a horror movie now and up until then it's just been kind of summer vacation (laughs) yeah also it's not unlike his other works there's not really a sexual element to this one that's true yeah that's pretty much uh entirely absent uh so it opens up with some archaeologists at a dig site and we are introduced to uh pretty much our main character i mean arguably because there's also masao but uh mr hiera uh, is kind of the guy in charge here he's like the super archaeologist the one with all the crazy inventions and he knows where all the stuff is and he puts all the little toothpicks that they all have to dig around but don't worry He'll do it himself. He's not going to make anyone else dig around those toothpicks. Yeah, he's got his, like, special brushy machine. I love that thing. <laughs> it's an egg beater with, like, a car wash brush. I love it. It's so cool. And, he, yeah, he's just using that to very carefully brush away the dust from this burial mound that he's working on. And it zooms, like, close into his face and just, like, joyously, like, sunshine beating down on him. It's like, you must be delicate with dead things. And it's like, wow, this is like positive but creepy like there, there's a real weird atmosphere to it immediately mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's like i i feel like right from that line it sort of introduces the entire feel of the movie that it's bright and sunny and things are kind of zany and uh, uh have like that same sort of raimi cartoon snap to them but then like horrible stuff is happening yeah but it does it does feel a lot more like like a um, like a Raimi film than a Sukamoto film. 
yeah you don't like th- there is sort of that final moment and like obviously we won't get into that much now but uh it, it doesn't have that same like uh hard emotional edge to it that all yeah. those do like th- it, the other ones all kind of have this sort of deep emotional core that they're kind of radiating out from where this I you know it's it's not his own material. This is the only one that's an adaptation. So that's part of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't like I didn't end this movie and think, "Oh my god, I need to go for a walk." <laughs> like like I did with all the other ones or, "Oh man, I shouldn't have been high for this." More like I should have been high for this one. Yeah, this one's pretty chill. Uh so we we are introduced to another major character, uh Reiko Tsukushima is cycling to school and parallel to that we have professor yabe who is investigating this tunnel underneath the school that's at least at this point like hip or you know ankle deep in water which i don't think it is at the end i don't think no because they go deep down and yeah they're if it was ankle deep in water at this point, then everything that they find later on would be underwater. Although it literally is under a pool of water that we know from the surface world as well. Oh, that's so true. I, I think there's a lot of stuff in there that's you know, it's it's magical, but uh Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. It it's just, you know, they're at the point where like they're in the tomb, supposedly, when this is happening. So I it, it's weird that there's the water there because this is only the day before the events of the movie. Yeah, this this movie takes place over the like Evil Dead over the course of I think twenty four hours in total, if more that. or less. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and uh, Tsukushima has come to where Yabe is investigating this tunnel, and she wants to join him. He's like, "No, you have to go." Oh, Plum is worked up. She. She was super chill when we were watching the movie. <laughs> it's like the time to get worked up was then, not now. Come on, cat. Uh, so yeah, we, we've got Tsukushima wanting to work with Yabe, but he doesn't want her to. Yeah. Uh, and we we have Hiera, who uh, it, we we see him go home and he's like lighting a candle, I think, to Akane who we won't know much about. We're going to hear kind of people talk around for quite a while before we actually understand what happened to her. And then it really doesn't fit with what anyone else said. No, it makes... (laughs) What happens to her when I saw it, I was like, wait, that's what the tragedy is? Yeah, it's it's kind of absurd. It's almost, like, it's almost stupid. It kind of is stupid. Uh, And he's gotten this note from Yabe about the tomb. Yeah. And then, like, we, we see him lighting the candle, and he's really chill for a second, and then, like, a cockroach scurries across the corner of his room, and he flips out. Like, he just totally goes mental, and he's, like, spraying, <laughs> and he's like, ah, ah, ah! <laughs> totally terrified of bugs. Oh, fucking the bug spray. The bug spray is a major element of his character. <laughs> I can't believe it works. And, like, I guess... In the original manga, he is the main character of, like, a series. Like, he is the titular yokai hunter. Yeah, this, this, I could see him being a guy who uh, goes on adventures to, you know, dig up different yokai tombs and stuff like that with his fancy 
inventions. Yeah, because like he's got a lot of special esoteric knowledge. He's got all these weird, groovy devices that are really Ghostbustersy. They're super Ghostbusters. Uh, so under the school, we see Yabe and Tsukushima encounter something, and it's you know it's it's Sam Raimi's camera coming at them. You know. Yeah, it's it's literally Raimi vision. Because like it even does the thing like it. It rushes at them and it picks them up like Ash at the beginning of Evil Dead 2. And yeah. it's like and it's flying and dragging them. them around in the air somehow. Somehow. it's uh, And they're screaming and we just see them screaming. We don't see what it is. They don't do a little spin around, though. No. <laughs> uh, so that, that sort of sets that up. And then we have our three teen boys coming to visit the empty school. And this is where it sort of starts the whole it storyline. Yeah. Yeah. The, one boy is our hero. The other two, they don't, they don't make it. Very yeah, they long. don't, they don't stick around long. Uh, Masao Yabe is the main character. And we see that like one of them lifts his shirt and he's got these two bandages on his back, but we won't know why for a while, mm-hmm. for like quite a while, really. For quite a while. Yeah. Uh, these guys won't ever learn why. No. (laughs) (laughs) These these two are our dead meats. Uh, A couple of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, it's just this really weird pastoral scene, but these dudes, for some reason, even though it's summer vacation, they're hanging out being delinquent on school grounds. Uh, Well, I mean, maybe this is one of those towns where... The school is actually the coolest place to be. It does seem like a really small place because we do see it from above at the end. And Mm -hmm. the school is literally the center of town. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So they're and, you know, it's it's a pretty nice spot. They're chilling by this really beautiful pond that they have some beers cooling in. Yep. (laughs) Uh, And the janitor stops by. This janitor is creepy, which means he knows about whatever is going on. Yeah, and he's, like, immediately threatening to them. He's like, what are you doing here? Yeah, he's got, like, this sickle type, or it's kind of, like, half machete, half sickle. I don't really know what it is. Yeah, it's much shorter, I guess. But, like, he's just, it's this weird gardening tool, and he's just, like, scratching up the walls of the school with it as they're following. It's like, dude, if you don't want them to follow you and you don't... What like if you're supposed to be guarding this place and keeping people away from it, don't draw this much attention to yourself. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, he he's just like completely absurd. Mm-hmm. This this as creepy janitors go, this guy's like he needs to take a chill pill. Yeah, especially considering his position. Although I guess he saw something really traumatic when he was five years old, as we'll hear about later on. Oh right. Oh yeah right right. Uh, something like I guess. Truly bright, mind-breaking that that would kind of make you like this, I suppose. But it, I it's, it seems bizarre and inexplicable until we get there. And by then it's like, oh, I guess that's why he's so weird. But they're concerned because it's like Yabe and Tsukushima haven't come home because, you know, uh, uh, Professor Yabe is Masao's father. Although yeah. I guess we don't really learn that clearly for a while. They don't really, yeah, they don't really tell us that. We just kind of figure it out because like they have the same last on. name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I, there is one point with the, where they say your father and where they actually meet, but it's like oh, right. so late in the movie. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but Yabe has the hots for Tsukishima. Of course. Because, you know, she's the girl. She is the girl. And they like they followed the janitor and they see Tsukishima standing in a window in the building and just looking kind of creepy. Oh, yeah. Standing like completely motionless, uh, like looking to the side, not looking out the window. And only and... we only see the head. Oh, uh, yeah, at, that's at right. the window and this guy Kono approaches her nearby like he's he's up close to the window and they're like hiding behind a dumpster and peeking <laughs> which I guess fits with like three dudes who are just hanging around the school during summer vacation yep yep uh, it's, it's sort of like hey isn't that the girl you have a crush on oh shit this dude's gonna make out with her well, that, yeah, that's exactly what they think happens. Like, Kano comes up to her and he asks what's going on. And he says, I went into the tomb with uh, Professor Yabe. And it's like, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> if, I'm a, if I see someone at school and I ask them what's going on, that's not what I expect them to say. Yeah, it's like, are you a deadite? Uh, <laughs> and he goes inside to, like, get a closer look because she's being weird. And she starts singing and like we see him seeming to be hypnotized and like leaning in and starting to kiss her. And then like all our dudes who are watching get really upset or Masao gets really, Masao gets really upset and yeah, he, he bolts. Yeah. He just turns around and they're kind of like razzing him and stuff. And they really should have watched a little bit longer. Just maybe just like two, three seconds longer. Because we we see them, like, as they're walking away, Masao's back starts sizzling and smoking, which is yep. crazy. Like it's on fire or something. And he's screaming. And it's like, oh, my God, he is having protagonist kid symptoms. That's not good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't want those. No. And we cut inside the school and we just it's a very strange shot because we see the room that Tsukushima and Kano were in, but it looks empty because like there's, we, we just see the window top half. Yeah. From like a different angle than we'd been looking at, at it before. Yeah. And it, it just seems like it's empty. And then there's this hilarious <laughs> spray of blood, just like covering the wall. Just freaking like a fountain of it. Just like hosing down the wall with blood. Yeah. Or the, the window. Yeah. Like, just super evil dead energy. <laughs> so, yep. uh, meanwhile, Hieda arrives at uh, the Yabe household to speak to the grandmother. And he, he finds out, like, Yabe and Tsukushima went in the tomb and haven't returned since yesterday. So th this is the first that they established that that stuff just happened the day before. Right. And they mentioned that there's this important heirloom that's missing, this three-horned crown. And oh, they will not okay. refer to that for so long that you'll totally forget that they mentioned that here. <laughs> I did forget that they mentioned that here. Yeah. That's right. Because here they, the they mention it like so much later, like, yeah, well, the crown is somewhere. And it's like, what crown? Yeah. And he's speaking to the grandma and like 
she's like oh they've entered a forbidden place it's like oh that's creepy yeah. <laughs> and and she's like hiruko forgive us so she knows about all of this uh because she was married to the guy who originally went in there although again we're not going to understand that until the very end of the movie until you completely forget the grandmother character even existed which i did yes exactly this is what i'm saying <laughs> but uh yeah it, it's sort of interesting because uh she knows all of this stuff, but she's clearly not told Yabe anything about it. She hasn't told anyone anything. And like, if she told anyone, she really should have told Yabe because she knew he was exploring this place. Like, come on. What are you I'm doing, lady? Professor, I'm going to go explore a tomb under the school. If anyone has any information about some goblins there, it'll really help me to not die, but... I guess no one does, so off I go. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it, it feels like the it cycle thing where it's like, well, we kind of just got to let it happen and it'll <laughs> burn itself out and we'll, you know, we don't have to deal with it. We just kick it on down the road a bit. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> so we, we, we catch up with our three teens in the classroom, just hanging out inside the school on some yep. vacation drinking yep. beers. How do you even like I, I can't believe you can even get in there. But Masao is just like he has his shirt off because we, we see so this big black mark on his back. We don't see it very closely and it's sort of blurry. Yeah, uh, it just looks like a burn mark right now. Yeah. And it's right in between the two bandages and the friends like they're talking about it as being this big mole. And it's like, did you not see his back smoking and burning? That's not a mole. Yeah, moles don't do that. They don't, like, spontaneously combust out of your back. Unless it's uber cancer? I guess. Ultra uh, cancer? Protagonist syndrome. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he arrives at the school, and with him, there's the demon POV just racing around the school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he, like... Uh, uh, Masao had stepped out of the classroom and Hiera pushes the cart into him and like sweeps him up and keeps going. Like they're just running, barreling down the thing. He's like on a cart and they're being pursued by this unseen presence. Like, you know, evil dead cam. Yeah. And like they even look back and there's nothing visibly chasing them, but like the camera's following them. Mm hmm. And like they know. Yeah. Like. Like, it's kind of how I feel like the Raimi cam worked in the Evil Dead movie. It's not actually anything, but you know it's something. It's just the feeling of something. Which I guess, like, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that works really great about the Evil Dead movies is there's just, like, it, it's this unknowable thing. It is this cosmic layer of horror. You just know that some bad layer of reality is after you. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a love smashing windows. Oh, he just, like flies through window at any opportunity <laughs> like uh i wonder if this is how he like enters and exits his house it's like well time to go to work crash the door was locked but you have the key buddy yeah my my next note is they crash through a door <laughs> <laughs> like yeah they're, they're kind of just always crashing through things and i it's it's consistently the way he enters uh, any room in this <laughs> never come in through a door or if he comes through a door he's not going to open and close it yeah so Masao is just kind of like what the fuck dude 
yeah, it's like, well, a goblin was chasing me. And he brings out his detector with the big red light on it and a loud alarm. Yeah. <laughs> I love this thing. It, it and never works when they need it. It no, always it, has an excuse to break. It's it's one of my favorite comic bits in the movie later on when they like look at it and it's not doing anything and Hieta slowly realizes to his horror that it's just like a wire is hanging loose. <laughs> yeah, yeah one great. of the one of the pieces is plugged in and then it just blares. Yeah. And so this is the first part where we hear someone or I guess it's the second, because I think the grandmother mentions it as well about Akane and is like rude to Hieda about it in some way. And then Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Masao is here. Masao Masao knows Masao and Hieda know each other. Right. Because um, he was married uh Hieda's aunt is Akane, uh, and uh they were married. Uh or sorry, uh Masao's aunt Akane was married to yeah. Hieda. Yeah, and, uh, and they blame – everybody seems to blame Hieda's archaeology for Akane's death, which, uh, I mean, yeah. yes and no. Well, like, especially here because Masao specifically blames Hieda's stupid theories. <laughs> that doesn't make sense at all. It's, that does not The theory track. had nothing to do with how she died. Not in any sense. Uh, and he – He's gotten this like he shows Masao the letter that he received from Yabe about the tomb, and Masao's like, "Now there's no burial mound. That's stupid. I don't even believe in like your dad was work like I, I what is with this family? How do you, none of you know what <laughs> anyone is doing? Talk, yeah, yeah. He he even says like, what does he say? There's definitely no burial mound, and he had his comment. Oh God, I wish I could remember. It was like, yeah, and there's definitely. He says something. I can't remember now. Shoot. I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's something something else obvious uh, that yeah. like is for real. And uh, Hieda sees something in the corner, and it sounds like he, he like runs into this potted plant, and behind it is Kano's headless body clutching a box cutter and squirting out blood through the neck hole. Of course, Still. I mean always. Because Always. like it falls, uh, uh, you know, blood spray, uh, and they both run out of there screaming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Masao is sure that Watanabe did it, the janitor. The, yeah, yeah. Which uh, you know, the janitor, he's kind of got, he's kind of got killer vibes too. Well, he's definitely a red herring at this point because like yeah. it immediately cuts to him climbing up and cutting a power and phone line to the school oh, yeah. why does he do that i don't get his game ever like he just acts like a fool the whole movie until he dies spoilers he dies twice <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah he doesn't seem to be helping anyone i i guess the point is he's trying to keep the secret but like He's drawing attention to himself in stupid ways that make the secret not get capped. I I don't really know what he was going for. Uh, Yeah. But like, so they try to call the police, but the phone line is out and uh, they won't go to the police because Masao is worried about his friends. You know, they're genuinely in immediate danger. Mm hmm. And they're in like more immediate danger than they figure because, you know, they're not going to get to them. <laughs> oh, no. So he had it gets his goblin gun out. I love this thing. 
he's like, this will annihilate goblins. And I'm just thinking to myself, how do you know that? When and how have you had a chance to test this on a goblin? He's like, he's pretty sure. And it it, it, it this, definitely will. Oh, it's definitely going to work. And he demonstrates it. It's like this, it, like it, it, it's sort of a taser, like a deadly taser. It, it generates this electronic pulse that like zaps things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he like zaps like a piece of the floor and he goes, Jong. I'm like, OK. Uh, and this is like one of his other really Ghostbusters gags like this thing and the detector are both like pure Ghostbusters. Yeah, this, this definitely has like the Ghostbusters homemade. We don't know what it does or why it does it, but it does kind of vibe. Yeah. And maybe could give off some really dangerous radiation or something. <laughs> Maybe, but don't worry about that. Yeah. It's fine. So they, they get to the classroom, and the, the two friends, uh, Aoi and Katagiri, are not there. So they're, they're, they run, they start running down the halls screaming for him, and Masao's back starts burning again. It's like, uh-oh, that's one of them down. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't, at this point, I hadn't made the connection that this is what happens when somebody gets killed. Or gets well, got. Right. Although this is the first time that we get a close up enough look to see a face form. Although we, it's yeah. not super clear immediately who it is. No, but like, yeah, like we just kind of zoom in on it, but it's still still a little blurry. And I'm just like, is that a, is that a face on his back? It is. It is. <laughs> uh, and so there is they get into the science classroom. And there's just loads of broken glasses from beakers and stuff and a lot of blood. Yeah. And they find the headless body of Aoi uh, with a big glass shard in one of his hands. So uh, both of them, Kano and Aoi, have had something sharp in their hands Mm -hmm. when they've been found headless. Yeah, kind of. Maybe to imply that they somehow took off their own heads, but we see how the head actually gets removed later on. <laughs> it's not like that. Yeah, although I think ultimately they start it or something like it. the uh, the probably. idea is that they do it to themselves initially, and then you know uh, the the rest is done uh, by Spiderhead uh, and. Masao is like out in the hall and he seems to see Aoi's head looking through the window and he like <laughs> approaches and it's just hanging in a tree outside and it just falls off. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and like uh, if this this happened in any of the other Sukumotos we've seen, it would be an extremely horrifying moment. Whereas here it's just kind of like it is sort of comical, like it does have that uh pg-13 horror feel to it somehow despite being like quite gruesome you know it does yeah that's that's the way i would describe this compared to his other work like extremely violent pg-13 it just yeah. it just has that that's that sense of the seriousness despite being like r-rated gore and violence it's like how Miami Connection feels like an episode of Saved by the Bell where they're in a canon picture. <laughs> uh, so, or like how like how Cinderella 2000 is a movie about sex that is weirdly innocent despite having all kinds of nudity and stuff. 
Yeah, just a, a very strangely naive and innocent sex movie. Yeah. Uh, so they hear Katagiri in peril. Uh, it just you know noise. There's someone yeah. throwing pots and pans around in the kitchen, uh, and they run to go see him. And we we get to see what's going on with him this time. We we get a little bit of time with him to see what he's seeing. Uh, he's in the kitchen, and like pots and pans are flying everywhere, and he like oh yeah right, and and like there's there's one opt overturned on the ground and is like crawling away. Yeah, which very Evil Dead. <laughs> or Evil Dead 2 specifically. That's, that is completely Evil Dead 2. <laughs> uh, and he turns it over and there's a face in it, uh, Tsukushima's. Although we, we get it only a very brief shot of it because he throws it across the room in terror instantly. Mm-hmm. As, uh, as you do. Yeah. And like her face appears out of the darkness in this like alcove. And she's singing as she was when we uh, saw her uh, uh, do whatever to Kano. Mm-hmm. I mean, something that resulted in his head being torn from his body. Something. Yeah. But we still don't know what. Right. And like we see her singing and we see him clutching a kitchen knife and like slowly turning it towards himself uh, while Masao and Hieda are outside pounding on the door. And then Hieda crashes through a window from outside, <laughs> of course. Yep, his, his signature move. Signature move, just like full tilt flying through a window, just in time to see Katagiri's headless body fall over, just a huge arterial spray. Uh, Masao's back starts smoking out in the hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hieda is just like stabbing away at the pots and pans with his goblin gun until it is badly bent and no longer working. <laughs> <laughs> does yeah? Does the goblin gun ever get fixed? I don't remember. I think he or fixes that... it much later, and then they don't use it again. Yeah, I, yeah, that's right. Because they don't. Because he's mainly using the bug spray once they're in the tomb. Yeah, that's right. Which I can't believe it works. But it really works. I mean, they are bugs. I guess. Well, maybe he uses like a special uh, yokai repellent that he got off of Infowars. Goblin like... repellent. <laughs> I figure it's like one of those outlawed ones that you can only get in like Saskatchewan at like oh. farm uh, farm <laughs> retailers. Uh, so. We we get a lot of demon POV scurrying around the pots and pans in the room while he's doing this. I like so super evil dead. I really love it. It's a lot of fun. And we 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 finally see that Tsukushima's head alone is just like propelling around the room with its tongue. <laughs> yeah. So this is where this is where it kind of turns into the thing a little bit. Um, like we don't see like it doesn't have the spider legs for a little while yet right here it's just the tongue which is really weird it's gross and this is when masao finally recognizes her too the tongue doesn't look like a tongue it just looks like a rope made out of flesh (laughs) that's a disgusting uh, phrase uh yeah it is though and it's just kind of like 
it, it it can like shoot it out and it's sort of bubble gummy and it can just like stick to things and pull around. It's, yeah, it's yucky. And it's, it kind of also works like the, the second mouth of the alien from Alien. Right. Uh, but yeah, th- this is when Masao recognizes that it's her. He's like, oh, it's Tsukushima. Uh, and Hieta finds a book about Hiruko's tomb in, in one of the rooms. Uh, so they're kind of like, th- this is our, our first bit of downtime. Like, well, we, we didn't save either of them, uh, but <laughs> something is completely fucked up here how are we going to go to the police with this at this point <laughs> and the book of course says while i was in my travels in kandahar i said yeah. the magic words yeah it, it is exactly one of these uh, and they're like okay there's this spell that is needed to open and close it it is behind the coke sheds which you know would probably refer to something that no longer exists yeah uh, and they even have a map and a photograph, but they're looking at it and, like they cannot figure out the scale of it. <laughs> so well, they, they don't know yeah, where it is. I would have uh, the reveal actually of of what the map actually is. I really like it's super well done because like you've seen it a couple times and you sort of understand the geography of it. But like them, it's never clear how big an area it's supposed to be. The The symbol of the map actually kind of reminds me of. Uh, Twin Peaks. Although, oh like, yeah, this would have come out before that, I think. Uh, like same time, or same I, it, same year. Yes. So, so I doubt that was an inf- well. Probably not. Yeah, because I I think they would have been coming out at the same time, and it's based on uh I think the mangas from the seventies. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a very good reveal, and it's well established. Mm-hmm. And like they also now like they learn from this that there's this rune. And they need to erase this specific part of the rune uh, so that they can relock the tomb when they find where it is. <laughs> yeah, which it's going to be a while before they do that. Right. But like it's, it's very good at establishing all of those stakes quite well. Uh, so this is where Tsukushima's head is in the pond singing a song. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the misty pond and... As she's singing and floating, uh, the spider legs emerge around her to start propelling her through the pond. It's like, oh, it's the thing. I, I really love when they use stop motion for this because mm. I, I just want more stop motion for creepy. Uh, like for monsters like this, the just like the jerky movements, like the not quite fluidity just makes it feel like it's just something that doesn't belong and i more mo- we need to bring stop motion back god damn it i agree yeah the the uncanny nature of it really helps and like you know it, they they had that in jesus shows you the way to the highway to use it yes, to good effect it, too which is interesting because they used stop motion to indicate that they were in a computer yeah to to indicate that it's an uncanny reality like yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a really good way of using that yeah uh, but nowadays it's like no let's just make it really realistic with cgi and it's like there's a time and a place for that and the problem is that most of the time when they do that it makes it uncanny in a way that is uncomfortable that just kind of you it's supposed to look real but it doesn't look real enough that it fools you but enough that it's annoying yeah that's that's why i like the stop motion of like this or or evil dead or or i get 
thing well, used I think, stop motion, didn't it? Oh, it used a lot of stuff. Like it was all practical effects. Uh, it's sort oh, of yeah, like yeah. The, the practical effects masterpiece. But mm-hmm. I, I guess part of the thing is that with and we're sort of getting off track, but it doesn't matter. Uh, the with, with CG effects, the thing is that something that's supposed to be uncanny is indistinguishable from something that's just supposed to be aesthetically part of everything else like in the marvel movies something like everything is cgi so it's just like it's the entire environment so you can't have just one element be uh cg like and and it it doesn't work anymore to have that as an uncanny factor you just need something that actually uh feels other from the rest of the movie's reality yeah like um which like this if movie they're gonna does. do everything CG, then they should still have their monster or whatever be stop something. motion or something. Yeah, like they yeah, won't. He, it doesn't matter. They they don't often. I mean, some people do, and that's that's where you find like the real art. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Hieda and Masao are searching in the forest to try and find the entrance of the tomb, and they find this big stone with a bunch of writing on it. Oh yeah, this is great because uh, he's like. Because uh, was like, oh, can you read it? He's like, oh, no, this is the legend of the goblet. I don't have to read it. I've got it memorized. Yeah, it's like, oh, no, I, I know this from college. Uh, and this is a real thing. This is the Kojiki scripture, which is one of the oldest existing Japanese literary works. Uh, I did recognize the story that was being told about Izanami and Izanagi and getting mm. stuck in the cave. Yeah, uh, I didn't realize that. I thought this was I didn't realize this was like the scripture, though. Yeah, so it's something that dates back to the 8th century, uh, and it sort of consists of a bunch of different collections of oral traditions, myths, folklore, and stuff. So they're borrowing on that and sort of inserting the Haruko thing into it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, You know, folk horror. Uh, So they find, like, the Coke Sheds area, and... Watanabe is hanging out there because this is one of the places he's supposed to protect, although we don't know that yet. Yeah. And the, he, you know, he menaces them. He has a shotgun, notably. But this they're is like, able to, yeah, able I mean, to get it away from him really easily. Well, very easily. Uh, like, I don't even have a note between he has a shotgun and that Masao gets the gun away. It's <laughs> it's very easy for them to do it. Like. There's and two like, of them. They're <laughs> so, pointing the gun at him, and he's like still like trying to rush them, and then and they're like, like pointing it like, dude, what are you doing? We're pointing a gun at you, and, and he just like, kind of stops, but he like wants to rush them. And like finally, he he kind of changes his tune because like they're yelling to each other about Professor Yabe. He's like, Yabe, are you know Yabe? And it's like, dude, <laughs> related to Yabe. How do you not know that if you know Yabe so well? especially if it's your job to like this whole thing this whole thing knowing about all this shit is your job yeah and and like he intimately knew his grandfather so how does he not and like he clearly knows his dad how does he not know the son who also goes to the school i it's so strange (laughs) there's like certain gaps between like people understanding each other here that are always like why (laughs) Watanabe particularly is this strange black hole in the movie. Mm-hmm. But like he sees Masao's back as well and he's like, oh, okay. No, I, I've seen this before. I'm I'm familiar with this syndrome. <laughs> yeah. So is is this where he explains his backstory? 
No, they just run away from him. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> this is where they have the scene with the detector, uh, where like oh, they're inside yeah. and it's like, oh shit, this wire's loose. And in the background, we see the spider head, like <laughs> just like a, just shadow. a shadow. Yeah, with like lightning strike and stuff. While they're like reaching to put it in, and then like the red light immediately starts circling and this loud blaring. And like, oh, it's in the room, man. Yes. <laughs> it's exactly that that's in the room Mm -hmm. and they turn and there she is the spider head just standing there screaming on the wall (laughs) and he had a fires the shotgun at it doesn't catch it and they you know they start cycling around on uh he had his bicycle down the halls (laughs) so like somehow they get separated and masao goes into the music room and finds the head singing at a piano Oh, yeah, and he's just kind of staring at it for a bit. Until, like, he stumbles and, like, there are no legs underneath. It's like, well, you, you've you seen the head around a lot, though. Yeah. You could have expected this when only you can see the head over the top of the piano. And then he looks over the top and the head's gone, too. Right. And, you know, obviously the spider legs were playing the piano. Obviously. Or Or goblin magic, it could be, too. Could be goblin magic. Uh, but yeah, he runs and the head tries to tongue at him through the door frame, but like he's, he's able to lock the door and get away. Yeah. Uh, Watanabe gets his gun back from Hiera. He, he like attacks him. He, he ambushes him. And now that there's not two of them, he's able to get it away because he's just very easily distracted. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, again, it seems strange that he attacks Hiera to get the gun back when he's kind of already realized they're working with Yabe and are sort of on his side. But again, I don't get his motivations ever. No, I'm the one who protects the tomb, yeah. not you. No, don't don't destroy the goblin. Then I won't have a tomb to protect. Yeah, like, I don't know, man. I, I it's so quite... weird. I don't get this dude. <laughs> Yeah, um, he's, (laughs) I I guess what he saw when he was five years old really fucked him up. I mean, like, he saw an unbelievably horrible thing, but, like, yeah, Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Masao finds a chainsaw. It's a very groovy (laughs) moment. You know, it's it's totally him doing the Ash thing. He's like, oh, wow. And he, like, revs it up. And Kano's head appears at a window, and he, like, smashes at it. And, like, again, that's very Evil Dead that, you know, he yeah. finds the chainsaw and then, like, a head appears to, like, <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to, like, to, like have to cut through a thing, like, going, <laughs> right. It never happens. Like, it, it does seem like it's going to happen. But it, there's a few points where it looks like it's going to. And, like, some goo drips down on him. Oh. <laughs> That's gross. It's like, oh, you don't want that. And he looks up to see where it's coming from, which you don't want to do. (laughs) You know where it's coming from. Just get away from it. You know. And, of course, the spider head drops down on him, which, like, it's so evil dead. Just a head falling down on him from the ceiling and attaching to him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And this is where we have that really interesting dream sequence. Like, there's this burst of light as the head hits him, and he's outside, and there's... Tsukushima with her family having a picnic in a park. And he's there and he joins them, but then, and like they're, 
they're picnicking for a bit, and then you just see the chainsaw like taking up half of the screen, <laughs> like, just coming just, down, like raising it up in front of himself. Uh, and they're they all start like, oh, you should kill yourself with the chainsaw. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah. So he like brings it up to his neck. And we flash back to the real world and we see that like the spider legs are around his head and the tongue is trying to get into his mouth. Yeah, it's, it's like real face huggery. Very like uh, the alien but, and the thing kind of both heavily invested in these characters in, in the Tsukushima head thing. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, so gross that, that tongue. I just ugh. it is really nasty. Uh, and I, I, I think it's just hilarious that Kieta just shows up with a mop and stuffs it in between them and, like, weaves <laughs> yeah. it off his face and they <laughs> run. Just cries the spider off of the mop. Like, it's so slapstick. Like, he just, like, shoves this mop in and just, like, uses it as a lever. It goes flying, like, in a cartoon and they start running again. It's hilarious. They, like, hop on a bicycle and, again, they're being, like, chased by a spider head down the ceiling. Like, it goes instantly into a cartoon sequence. I wonder if Kieta in the manga ever gets a chainsaw hand oh maybe or, or, or a mop hand oh but like again yeah this happens before evil dead existed like the i think they were the 70s Just so strange because it really feels like it's pulling from so much 80s so i guess a lot of that is uh added to it by uh Tsukamoto. well the camera stuff for sure oh yeah uh, but yeah. i think i think like the spider head yokai is right a that's thing. definitely a thing not and not the thing, just <laughs> but also thing. the thing. But also like, the, the way thing. it's done here feels very inspired by that. Oh, absolutely! Like like dragging, like when the head's dragging itself across oh. the floor at first. That's so much like in the the autopsy sequence for real. Yeah. Uh, so they crash through a door, <laughs> <laughs> and in so doing, lose most of their weapons and tools. They just kind of go flying everywhere out of his briefcase. Because, <laughs> like, fully on a bicycle with the, the thing, like, the two of them crash through a door and just, like, things flying everywhere. Uh, and they're crawling away from the head because it's followed them out. And... <laughs> He had, as he's backing up, uh, ends up going through an empty cardboard box that's just out on the lawn. <laughs> oh, he's stuck yeah. in the hard cardboard box through this whole action sequence. Right, right. And at some point, they trap the head in a cardboard box. It's just so goofy that somehow, like, he's he's creeping backwards, and just like it, it does look completely natural it. that he kind of backs up through it and then he stands up and he's just in this cardboard box <laughs> but like it looks like he's setting he's setting up like the trap for the thing which is but like the trap is just the box with a stick and a string like in the cartoons to to catch the roadrunner but no he just got stuck <laughs> <laughs> It's so goofy. Yeah. Uh, but but he pulls out the bug spray, and this is where he you know he sprays it, and it's it like it it clearly reacts to it. Uh, oh and yeah. Like uh, she, this is where wings come out, fly wings specifically. Yeah, it gets like bug wings. Ugh. And it flies away to to get undercover. Yeah. A uh, Watanabe shows up and shoots at it. Uh, but for some reason, Hieta tells him not to, and then the head just attaches to Watanabe and puts the tongue down his throat like instantly. 
Maybe I should have not interrupted him while shooting at the head. Yeah. Oh, well, it'll be fine. It flies off. Uh, the, the head flies away into the yeah. forest nearby. Yet at this point is still stuck in the box. I just want to notice that note that, that like the through this whole sequence, he's just for some reason in a cardboard box and no one remarks upon it and it, nothing. There's no business about it beyond him just being in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like purely just he's in a box in this scene. Yeah, I, I love it. Uh, and good. Masao's back starts burning again. Yeah. Uh, even though he had or not, uh, uh, Watanabe, even though he's still quasi alive quote unquote alive yeah he's he, got he some started of his the process senses uh, yeah. i mean as much as he had before right so you know it's hard to tell yeah and the three of them are you know they realize now that they're all working together and they're Finally. discussing haruko yeah. So they they figure the plan is Haruko is going to open the stone stone door and flood the world with goblins. Going to turn it into a goblin nest. A goblin nest. There'll be goblins in your. I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> what he says. Goblin vomit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Watanabe sees his own face in Masao's back in the new burn, which is kind of an interesting, creepy moment. It's where we very first very clearly first see that it is the faces of each of them where like yeah it shows him like right up like closer and it's like oh yeah that is clearly watanabe's face on his back yeah and so, so he tells his story now okay yeah so here's where he's telling his story where he was five years old yeah and the school burned down and that's the story everybody else knows but it's like yep. there's a lot more to it than that uh he saw Hiruko, and he saw a boy with a three-horned crown whose back was covered in tons and tons of faces like those, just yelling out of the fire and the demon with a pile of a hundred headless corpses of all the students. Yeah, and like, and you see all these like heads on fire and... You know, oh, it's... The 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 heads on fire effect with just all of the, like the the black heads in like uh, CG flames and stuff. It's not a great effect. It's but really it's, not. It's as good. No, I would say it's a little better than the effects in Spawn when they show hell. <laughs> oh, and that was eight years later. So I'll oh, give it shit. to this movie. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> and it, also, it's only one shot. Everything right. else looks perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's it, and it looks kind of ridiculous, but it, you know, it's weird. It's, you know, you have all of these moving heads. It's a pretty detailed shot. It's just kind of beyond the scope of this movie's budget at this point. Yeah. Uh, so he, from this guy, the the kid with the three horn crown, uh, the he ultimately dies years later, and Watanabe is assigned by him to guard these places in the school. Yeah. So and he says the boy was Yabe Tatsushiro, which is Masao's grandfather. So it's like guard these places at the school, not to look after my family or protect. Not to hey, I got a grandson named named Masao. Maybe look after him a little bit. Nothing like that. Just guard these places. Yeah. Uh, it's strange. Just the the lack of 
information uh, that Watanabe has, given that this seems to be his sole purpose in life. But I guess he's also a janitor, and there's a lot of work to do. It's a big That's school. True. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he's the only one. I think he's got to take care of that whole shit by himself. It seems like that. It also seems like a really big school for such a small town. It is a huge school when, when you finally see it. Yeah. So Yabe, or sorry, uh, Watanabe pulls away one of the bandages, which reveals uh, Professor Yabe's face. Uh, but Masao stops him from revealing the other one, although, of course, we know by this point that it has to be Tsukishima. It's pretty much a given. Yeah. Uh, so since Yabe was attacked in the tomb, this is where they're like, well, the crown should still be there. Right. And uh, Watanabe... For some reason, he says Haruko mustn't see the faces on your back. That part I don't get. It doesn't really that it doesn't really explain that, and it doesn't explain why. <sighs> what? Oh gosh, I've already forgotten his name. The archaeologist guy. Why he does what he does with the photograph later? I don't Hieta. quite understand. No, I don't. Unless know. that's to be bait for the goblin who's. I mean, that's what it seems to be like it. it the goblins attack it and like but, they're not trying to hide it. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know why the goblin needs the faces. That's not explained at all. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because uh, the goblin but, ultimately never does see the faces. It never even comes close to doing that. Right. I mean, I guess it's supposed to sort of be a replay of what happened when Watanabe was five. But they're not clear about it. But no. ultimately, he's like, well, anyway, I'm going to kill myself. And he he like goes to like put the shotgun in his mouth and they're like, Ugh. he's like, no, I won't do that. That's that's silly. That's that's crazy. And like, maybe I should shoot both of you or myself like nah. And he starts walking away and then we hear I'm going to go himself. piss. Yeah. And he goes into the forest and we hear him shoot or we, we hear the the shotgun go off. And obviously he has killed himself. We, we don't see him again after that. But, yeah, as he was walking away, he's, like, scratching the back of his neck. And there's these, like, two ugh, gross tooth fangs coming out. Yeah, he knows what's going to happen to oh, his yeah. head. And he's he doesn't want it to turn into one of those things. Yeah, so so that's the end of him. <laughs> yeah. Got all the information we can, which isn't Not really a, lot. a lot. Because, like, he still doesn't seem to know where it is even though it's his job to guard it so we just see them we, we you know this is one thing that i would say is very sukumoto is we have a quiet scene of stargazing where mm -hmm. like we have this quiet moment of just looking up at the sky and sort of reflecting on where we are in the movie and that's something that is pretty consistent in a lot of sukumotos i like that yeah yeah that's right uh so they're talking about akane uh, but this is, they don't reveal the thing yet. They're just, you know, saying, oh, you know, I really feel bad about it. I didn't, I, I uh, you know, it's it's a shame what happened and blah, blah, blah. But like Masao has kind of forgiven him more or less, even though there's really nothing to forgive him for. It was just a dumb accident. Yeah. But notably, they're on the hilltop and Hieta suddenly realizes by looking over the whole town that the town Gorgeous itself shot so cool like with the lights of the streets and stuff they look down and oh the whole town is the is the burial mound the the entire thing 
and the place where the rune is is underneath one of the sheds right and it's the school right in the center uh yabe's house is the north gate and like they're able to kind of deduce the stone room by like oh yeah of, right the triangulated based on yeah. the markings on the map yeah like there's like dots and stuff so they they find their way in because they know you know where the gates are now so they 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 head in uh Hieda recites the kojiki sequence from the stone and you know it shakes distorts and opens and he he puts the picture on his back the the portrait of akane that he he lit the candle to earlier mm-hmm. and, and head into the tomb so the tomb is pennywise's lair straight Fair up that's enough. what it is yeah, yeah. and it, it has the pond at the top yeah it's like a hole it's it's underneath the pond but there's like a hole where you can look up and see I the don't water. know how to describe it, but the, yeah, the water is above them, just hanging, like just sitting there, not falling through this hole. And it's not even like you don't see a lake under it. It's just the surface of water at the top without it, it's like the water exists above instead of below. But, you know, it's it's only uh, a, a, a way of passing through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just this really cool, unique design and shot. Like it's it's very well accomplished too. Oh yeah. And uh, like there's this great big hole, like pit in the middle of it. And it's got a bunch of water in it, and there's all these spidery creatures there, it, which it, it's kind of like the egg room in Alien. Yeah, that's what it made me think of. Yeah. Especially um, how face huggery they they can be. Oh god, when these things start moving, they're so gross they're very spidery and like they can fly through the air too yeah and they got like these these mouths and they don't have eyes i don't like them i don't like them. they're pretty gross they're they're excellent grody little design they're great creatures uh we see sukashima's head floating in the pond way up at the top just singing relaxing <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they find the crown, and there's a note there with it, inside it, that says how to seal the room. Well, that's handy. Very handy. And Yabe appears, or his pale shade appears. The the Professor Yabe, the father. Professor, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he asks about Tsukushima, and they're like, well, the thing about it is... <laughs> <laughs> just uh, Just take a look up if you can. Uh, but his head isn't very mobile right now, and he turns into a demon. <laughs> yeah. So so is he the one where you see his head come off the body? Yes. Okay. So this is a cool effect. Um, uh, very similar to the, the one in The Thing, where the guy's on the autopsy table and, like, the head sort of melts off. Except yeah, it, 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 it goes upward here. Yeah, it, it kind of, like, pulls off. And it's like... And, like, the skin is, like, clinging on like cheese from a slice of pizza. Mm-hmm. It's, That's what it kind of reminds me of. It's, uh, like, like, like here's, here's the Tsukamoto I'm expecting. Yeah, it's it's a really, like, splattery gore effect that's very well, well, very well done. Mm-hmm. And then head crabs just start flying around everywhere. 
Uh, one of them attaches onto the picture of Akane, and he had a bug sprays it, which is pretty successful. Uh, but he's he's out of spray now. Yeah, and the picture gets pulled off, so like they're they're really running low on these extra resources. Yeah. Uh, and they run for the door, and they get sort of trapped in between Tsukushima on the outside and Professor Yabe's head on the inside. And uh, just basically, like, all of the head crabs turn up. Like, everyone we've seen uh, shows up as a head. <laughs> <laughs> and the door starts closing. So, like, they're they're going to be trapped inside. So, Hiata starts reciting the Kojiki again. Um, and they, unfortunately, they diving through uh, window-shaped holes is something is very good at. Yeah, so like it's it's been establishing that that's kind of how he how he rolls. So, how he enters and exits buildings. Yeah, so he dives through, it closes. They're on the outside. Uh, he had a starts. He's gonna go scrape off the seal. And oh my god, head crab! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we flash back and finally see what happened to Akane. Okay, this it's so is dumb. Dumb. <laughs> like this is. It's it's an unfortunate tragedy, but it could have been event prevented. It has nothing to do with Hieda's archaeology obsession. It has nothing to do with his theories. She's taking a picture of him digging something up, and she's like trying to get a better shot. So she goes back and steps back and steps back and falls off a cliff. And she steps back so much. And I, I think like the thing that there may be that, that he's guilty about and that uh, they're sort of uh, angry at him about is that, like, he wasn't paying attention. But, I mean, come on, she wasn't paying attention. How do you walk back, like, 14 feet and fall off a cliff? How do you not know you're near a cliff and just walk around backwards? <laughs> How I mean, wide like, of a shot did she need? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 sort of tragic, but it's also, like, that's a slapstick death. That's a Darwin Award death. Uh, yeah, he like, is not to blame. Not at all. Uh, and so the door starts opening again with because Masao starts reciting the code, the Kojiki yeah. himself, and he puts on the crown uh, and like he's he's yelling his demands at them and stuff. You know, he, he's he's recreating his grandfather's uh, like way cool stand against them yeah some like 50 years ago presumably uh and the head crabs all start bursting into flames <laughs> super cool uh the yeah. gate closes up masao like chisels off the the seal and he feels his back and all of the burns are gone and then he takes off the bandage and, it's, and no no tsukushima yeah no tsukushima uh, so Masao and Hiera leave the tomb, and we see this pillar of light coming out of the pond and stretching off into the sky. And that's that's pretty much it. Wait, well, like they or they follow there... they follow the light and they find oh, that no, it has Fukushima's right. oh face the, on it. <laughs> the, that's not it. The faces. Yeah, they're like they're all the faces of them. That's like like a spirit snakes ascending into heaven. I think. It's quite strange. Like they stretch away into the distance. Like we just see Tsukushima's initially coming out of the pond, and like there's this weird moment where 
Masao and Hieta are in the school courtyard and the face like turns and looks at them and like smiles at them. <laughs> yeah. And then just like stretches off into the sky. And like it, it like cont- it's like this watery, wavery thing in the air. And it's like all the way stretching back outside of the frame and then like is joined by uh, more of them with, you know, all of the others who died. Yeah, it, it's like it's made out of ghost water. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is sort of like the emotional moment where uh, like they both are in tears and they're sort of watching them stretch away and kind of remembering their lost friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they, they walk away. The, the two of them go down the road and they're like friends now and they part ways amicably. Mm-hmm. And that is the end. Good movie. Which, um, good movie, but like that, they part ways amicably is the most non-Sukumoto ending of any. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. the exact opposite of Bullet Ballet. Oh my god, Bullet Ballet. Oh, that we ending. have those two people walking away from each other and gaining power from being further away from each other. Uh, yeah. After, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, like, yeah, just in terms of that one just being this absolutely emotionally devastating thing, whereas this is like, huh. And happy then they, ending? And then they walked away happy, like, even though, again, all of his friends died. <laughs> his friends and his crush and his dad all got murdered in the past day, but he's friends with his uncle now. Yeah. da 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 and we can tell the grandma that she doesn't have to worry about Hiroko anymore. Yeah, they dealt with it for another 50 years until, you know, it starts swallowing children again. Whatever. That's how yeah, but, you know, that's the next person's problem. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's uh, the end of it. It's 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 an interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it, it's such a different flavor, but uh, I did like to see, like, the Tsukamoto version of the sort of 80s Spielbergy blockbuster horror feel. Yeah, it, it, it really does feel like Tsukamoto made it. Yeah, uh, but with a huge, huge Raimi uh, influence on it, because, like, really, really Evil Dead. Oh, yeah. Um, just doesn't doesn't go as hard on the slapstick, but it's probably probably for the best. True, uh, although it kind of would have fit here at it times. It would have, at times. Uh, great monster designs. Super cool. Like, all of the effects are really well accomplished, uh, you know, expectedly given what he was able to do with such a low budget on Tetsuo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is replaced in the stacks with Gemini. Uh, so this is uh, his 1999 film. So now we're getting at the one in between or the, the one that comes after Bullet Ballet. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> we still got a bunch of these to do, don't we? Oh, lots, yes. Uh, and uh, this one is another one that's sort of off-model. This is another rural Tsukamoto. This one I've oh. seen before, just once. Okay. Uh, um, and it's set in the past. It's set in 1910 Tokyo. Oh, Interesting. So there's this guy who's a former military doctor, and he's got this wife who has uh, total amnesia about her upbringing, and uh, it's just a total mystery. 
And suddenly one day, like his life just sort of goes completely to hell. His parents are killed by this strange raggedy ghost man. Uh, And he, things go sour with his relationship with his wife. He kind of becomes oppositional toward the poor because like, he's got this, uh, there, there was this raggedy murderer who killed his parents and he won't treat the people in the nearby slum. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's Gemini because the raggedy man, as I recall, is sort of a reflection of him. So th- this one's definitely got some of that Tetsuo uh, alternate B or uh, alternate uh, people uh, kind of dark shadows of each other thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, all the other ones kind of had that except for Hiroko. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm uh, looking forward to re-watching that one. Uh, I, yeah, I watched it a few good. years ago, and it's pretty cool. I'm curious what his take on 1910s Tokyo is going to be like. Right. I, I recall it being very dreamy. Uh, uh, th- this one feels kind of more abstract than some of his other ones. And similar in visual style to this one where you kind of have that uh very green very pastoral look but sort of an uneasiness around it this one's more in the feeling of later sukumoto but with the the visual look of uh of haruko cool um yeah that's looking forward to that one all right on so any last thoughts on haruko the goblin before we head to our second feature yeah, watch watch out for the goblin. <laughs> uh, rushing into a goblin's nest. <laughs> All right. Bring a picture of your aunt. It's <laughs> not for the goblin, it's for me. <laughs> uh, that, that video where he's walking through the forest. Oh uh, my god, I never saw snow. that. But... Oh, do watch it sometime. It's a, a great moment in public mania. Uh, by, by the way, just so we're clear, we're talking I, about Alex Jones. Alex Jones. Yeah, uh, he's a fascinating figure of just like a clown, just a, a strange, strange beast. Uh, not but, a good person at all. Oh, no, just fascinating. Uh, yeah. Uh, and hilarious in how absurd he is. Yeah, like... <laughs> Yeah, I, I got to check out that video of him walking around in the forest naked, ranting. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, on to part two. And we're back for part two, where we're going to be talking about Videophobia, a uh, 2019 film from director Daisuke Miyazaki. This movie is... Uh, not. I'm still not sure what to make of it. Um <laughs> I do feel I I do feel that like ambiguity is central to its purpose. Like it it is a movie about ambiguity and uncertainty. Like uh, all of the things the character does are sort of approximations of reality. Well, yeah, I mean, the the step that she ends up taking in the end is. uh, I thought it was going to turn out to be a dream, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah because there there are certain things that do make reality sort of break in yeah. in one way or another and and there are things that like it, it 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 makes us question what we've seen before or it makes what happened 
ghostly in some way, supernatural in some sense. Yeah, it always there is like this. Not a whole lot actually happens in the movie, but there's always like this sense that something's just not right. But is it that something's not right with the world or is it something not right with our main character's perception? Because we never leave her side. Yeah, and it's strange with this one being paired with Hiruko in terms of Tsukamoto, because any other Tsukamoto film would maybe pair better with this one because it's all urban dread, just this intense black and white urban dread the whole time. Like this would fit so well against Tetsuo. Oh yeah, like there's there's some shots of like some factories, and I'm like, hey, I bet this is where uh, where Iron Man fought Rust Man. Yeah, uh, just uh, this th- this intense feeling as well of alienation from self, which is just a huge part of like the Tetsuo ones, and uh, you know, Tokyo Fist had a lot of that, mm-hmm. uh, and. This one doesn't have quite have the mirror person thing, but it has something kind of like that. And then there's the short, which we'll talk about when we get to the end, which I don't. So I'll be your mirror is included as a short on the uh, I believe it's canny is the label. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that came out, I think, in 2022. Yeah, it was like, I think, specially commissioned for this release. So oh. it's later, but it does feature the same lead actress and yeah i wonder how much it's supposed to be related to this because it feels related it feels like well well yeah we're gonna get into it because uh yeah um yeah so it starts out we're just seeing this girl looking at the camera and (laughs) there's a guy like a a dude voice saying like telling her like touch yourself oh Mm -hmm. yes you're horny now take off your panties and we we don't see her like like doing it we only actually see what's above like from the shoulders up right and and this is also like a what i just described in those two seconds is like a five minute scene yeah it goes on a while and, and that's sort of the thing about all of these movies all of the sequences in this movie it's very slow cinema a lot it's, of it is just yeah. like her it's it's kind of like the whole movie is Charles Bronson fugue states, you know, <laughs> kind of like, like I, she's spending like a, a lot of time. Movie. Oh, completely. She's thus spending a lot of time just like gazing at Saturn devouring his son, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like there's a lot where there's parts where I feel like we're with her for the entire train trip where she's looking out a window and, those and that's are maybe- all she's doing. Those are maybe my favorite sequences of the movie, except the the couple sequences where she's in the mascot costume on the street, which are really <laughs> yeah, intense actually, in a very strange some, way. There's a weird there's there's like a weird in black. <laughs> I know I can't put words to it. I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, maybe maybe it'll come to me when we get there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I have Plum providing excellent punctuation. Oh, yes. Uh, so, yeah, uh, just uh, the, the black and white, the very sharp, high contrast black and white of this is uh, beautiful, like really oh, yeah. good use of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I think last week I said Shinjuku. It is Osaka that they're in. Yeah. 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 Osaka. Uh, yeah. So 
she's basically she basically is just on like I don't know one of those like chatterbait programs or something. Yeah. Because we uh, we pull the we pull back to see behind her and she's just talking to some or performing I guess is I don't yeah. know if that's the word for it for for some dude on her laptop. Right. It's like she's doing some sort of cam show uh, yeah. for just this one guy. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, cur- curated thing. Uh, presumably it's not her boyfriend because she doesn't seem to have a boyfriend in the yeah. rest of the movie. Doesn't seem like it. I think it's just something she's doing. This is interesting that she's doing this because what ends up happening to her and like what she seems to be so afraid of, she's kind of like creating the situation. Like, I can't believe it doesn't happen to her here because we know right. like the premise of the movie is a sex tape about her uh, gets released. And I thought I was watching that sex tape being made. Right. right here but in the sequence, but it's, this isn't it. <laughs> No, th- this is like a- an instance of it going just fine. Whereas the other thing, the I-, I guess the big difference here is that in this case, she knows she's on camera, whereas yeah, she the knows. other case, she does not. And, and, I, and I, I, it's it's a control yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Or, 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 and control and consent. Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, there, there's some some curious stuff with that other one later that do make that also more questionable. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess we cut to the next morning. Uh, her family is arguing about family argument shit. Yeah, they want to uh, go got on three a three sisters. They want to go to. They're Tokyo. going to Tokyo, and she lived in Kanagawa, so they they think she's she should be able to tell them a good place to stay and she just doesn't have any any help for them she's like i don't know tokyo it's like kind of was the same thing okay well universal studios and disneyland's the same thing how could you say that there's so (laughs) much difference and they don't clue in yeah they they don't get it uh then there's like a fourth sister who just lives on her cell phone I, right, yeah, and uh, she has no input in the rest of the movie except she razzes the aunt who is into watching soccer. Yeah, the she's watching, watching the World Cup during yeah. the whole movie. It's like, are you got a problem with my once in four years hobby? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. What's so great about a cell phone? Like, you wouldn't understand. Very, yeah, very like you know, teen stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, she's I, – I assume that her everyday life is just this shit. <laughs> it seems to be. And, like, her interactions with them are all very kind of icy and mm-hmm. sort of her, inter- her interactions with everyone, which is, is weird. Like, she has a very performative life, and she performs in front of cameras for her living. Yeah. Well – that and her real yeah. job is well no in both ways like she she performs uh, like so the cam show well, at the yeah, beginning guess, is theoretically uh, yeah. something that she was paid to do and uh she you know she poses as a mascot and takes pictures with people and like pretends to be cheerful bunny <laughs> yeah um and so so yeah so what i'm i remember what i was saying so we we catch her 
walking to work, getting on the train. Um, all vibes. All we, vibes. We see the like, whole train ride. They go over the go over the bridge, and we see the city unfold. That's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. So yeah, she's a mascot outside of this shop. There's like her. She's a bunny. There's a monkey and some a lion. other one. Lion. But like. Yeah, yeah. Like, the bunny is, like, super cheerful face, but her body language is, like... Just hands at her sides, just sort of, like, disconnected all the time. She... A wallflower! That's what... um, Like, she's always kind of, like, standing at the wall just watching whatever's going on. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Rarely, rarely interacting unless someone directly comes up to her. And then when she has to when she actually does have to make decisions without someone guiding her along, she makes weird ones. Very strange ones. Uh, and uh, like here as it's just the vibe of her as the bunny with like, you know, the others throwing peace signs and stuff and they're all posing. And she's usually pretty flat, uh, just like not really reacting, but sort of, you know, being in the photos, mm-hmm. uh, and just yeah it's it's again it's this weird vibe just her sort of this uh non-functioning being in the center of this you know trying to be cute in a costume that you know she is you know she is cheerful bunny uh, come take a picture with me and it's so completely not the rest of her vibe mm-hmm. it's 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 like a dissonance like mm-hmm like a wooden person in a Bugs Bunny outfit mm-hmm. almost like it it's an interesting way of kind of introducing the uncanny because like something we were talking a bit about in the previous section about you know the, the way you can do that with uh special effects being dissonant by having like an effect that is uh clearly created from a different reality mm-hmm she feels like she's ported in from a different reality. Like she's in like a really intense Tsukamoto movie where like the rest of this movie is just like, here's what's going on in the streets of Osaka right now. It's pretty chill. (laughs) Well, yeah. um, And things, things affect her. Things, some things affect her that you wouldn't expect, and then some things that you would expect to affect her don't. Um, True, and and like she she's spending a lot of time in like classes where she's supposed to be acting, and we don't know enough about her to know how much of what she says about herself is acting. We don't even know if she's a good actor. We can't no even idea. tell that. Yeah. No. We don't even really see her. We see her like practicing dancing, but. But like, it's also interesting. And and this is sort of getting ahead of things, how much her acting class and how much her uh, group therapy class are exactly the same. Oh, I didn't even make that connection, but they (laughs) totally are. And they're both people performing and not really uh, having any affect and not really saying anything real about themselves uh but even while they're both they're all kind of just droning on about the same thing but yeah, we're, we, so, yeah we'll, we'll get to those individually and compare well them. we're actually we're at the the acting class okay so the acting class is very strange 
It really is. Like he, he's got everybody doing self introductions, but he wants them to be the opposite of themselves, whatever that means. And he doesn't explain further. He does not seem like he's very good as a teacher. <laughs> I, I, no, he his expectations are very unclear, and 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 everyone is struggling with them. Everyone, they like it's it's totally unclear what he wants, and he's not really giving any direction either. Like he's he sort of responds to it and is like, no, well, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. Or okay. Yeah, or, I liked the first one better. And right. this one guy is just like fed up. He's like, what the fuck? Okay, dude, what the hell do you want with me? He like grabs the guy. He's like, why are you laughing at me? You play favorites. Like, what do you actually fucking want? Although the guy is bad. Oh, yeah, he's he he's kind of just and, and it's sort of like we, we see three or four different people do their thing. And each of them is just sort of saying, giving an introduction. Uh, and, and the first girl who we don't really know she does something and then she specifically explains it right at the end. Uh, said it, like there's a thing that she sees a ghost and is like, Oh, I was pretending to be someone who believes in ghosts. He's like, Oh, right. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you pass. <laughs> yeah. And then we see uh, our main character. Uh, what, what's her name? Sorry. Uh, I Aoyama. Aoyama. So her thing, she says that she's a movie star in town to film a thing, right? Um, weirdly, I didn't write down what she said. It, it's something about how she's like a jet-setting actress and like she's here to film a scene and like she wants to be a movie star like Isabelle Huppert. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, and... I don't really know how much of that is actually her. So the, I'm guessing none of it. I'm guessing none of it. But then why is she at this acting class if she's not interested in being an actress? And if she's not interested in being an actress, she is kind of acting very well here where she's making like she is. And it, it's it's like, again, it's part of this weird. Uh, I so my theory is she's in acting class because how do I act like person? Yeah, that could be it. But like there, there's this self-reflexive dissonance to a lot of things in this movie. And, and this is one of the elements that I find most interesting is her giving this introduction to herself, which is her playing the opposite of herself where she wants to be an actress but like all she's doing in her whole life is performing. It's just nowhere else. Does she have any affect? Yeah. Um, it's strange. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's, she's an interesting and impenetrable character. She's very impenetrable. Uh, like so then, you, yeah, you get to see her face. You do not get to find out what she's thinking at any given time. Right. Except and that's except maybe it, well it's not clear if it's you know not what clear. she's thinking but yeah i i would say I, I like again why i referenced charles bronson it, it is like him gazing at the goya it, it's, it really is there, we we know that she is experiencing something or we assume she is experiencing something un, unless like she is just observing things uh blankly 
Well, that's, I mean, and, and it could be that too. <laughs> I, that's kind of my default state of being. So, I mean, I get it. She's just if like, I'm, zoned if I'm out in an uncomfortable situation, I just kind of like, I'll just stand here and see what's what, and then see if I want to participate in any of this or not. Although it seems to be her persistent state of being when she's doing something anywhere. Like, we don't yeah. ever see her in any other state. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, even when she's in her bedroom completely by herself, this is how she is. Yeah. Uh, permanent fugue state. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's unclear how she relates to her family in any way with any of it, too. Yeah, they... We know yeah. she lived away from there for a while. We don't really get any kind of impression about that. And yeah, we don't know she, what she was doing or why she came back. No, and we don't know where she disappears to at the end or how much later it is that we catch up with her and whether they even exist in her life anymore. It's like, did she completely yeah, abandon her she, life? Maybe. I don't know, yeah. Um, We're getting ahead of things, but yeah. We are. <laughs> it, it's a movie that kind of requires that because it the the way we're we have to look at her is by sort of using a lot of different information because there's mm-hmm. so little given at any one time yeah so uh after after the class they're getting drinks they're talking about how shitty the teacher is but how that one guy was out of line and one girl is one girl does like the teacher yeah um and thinks that his methods are going to, you know, God, acting teachers, they're freaking methods. Uh, adaptation, remember? I <laughs> keep thinking of uh, uh, in adaptation. Oh, yeah. Goes to the, the screenwriting workshop. It's much <laughs> like that. It's like just yeah. someone who screams abuse at you and then is like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to learn something from this. All right, thanks for insulting me. Here's uh, $200 for today's lesson. Yeah. And yeah, like, that's even what they say. It's like, well, like, we're paying for this class. Right, like, uh, the the third guy and his... uh, Right, we didn't really talk about his performances. Like, he gives this introduction where he's just, like, cheerful. It's like, this is my name, and this is my age, and this is where I'm from. He's like... Okay, but like that's just you. You're supposed to be playing someone else. Like, oh, okay. And then he just gives a different name and a different age, and it's like, uh, and and he's like really halting and uncertain. He's like, oh wait, no, uh, hmm. But I guess no. I that's I. I'm, oh, I'm from here I'm instead. Few. I guess I was born in this year. May you know I was born like, a few years ago. Yeah. And the president's like, okay, but that's just the same, but maybe a bit worse, because you're just saying the same things, but they're different words. You're, and to be fair, he's right. It's it's terrible, yeah. but he's not able to give him any kind of useful guidance either. It, it's like the whole, don't do that, don't do that. I won't guide you in the direction you go. I'll just keep hitting you until you pick the one direction out of an infinite number of directions that I want you to go in. The Kubrick method. Uh, so, <laughs> so he, I mean, it worked for him. Ultimately, uh, it, yeah. it, it took some doing. Uh, but yeah, uh, for 
and then he starts to go again and the professor kind of chuckles and he he either flips out or he is good at acting and like pretends to flip out you know that's kind of what i thought at first like i was like oh shit he's getting mad or is he faking getting mad i can't tell you kind of like the professor could tell either no, and you kind of expect him to, like, step back and go, and scene. He's like, oh, you get an A. But no, uh, that, we don't get that. We don't get that closure, right. actually. We don't get a lot of closure. Well, no, it's not a closure kind of movie. But sure we, we this is when we cut to them all discussing it after class, which does suggest that uh, it was real. Because yeah. I, I guess it, like, totally killed the mood <laughs> or something. It was like, you can't yeah. do that. And but like yeah. I, don't, I don't know if she even participates in the conversation. I don't think she does. Actually. She's there, and there's the three of them surrounding her, and they're all like drinking in a bar. But I think she's just in the midst of it and not really participating. Yeah. So then they uh, they go to the club where DJ Toilet Paper VR Helmet is doing. Oh a man, the the, the <laughs> dude he's got a mask. And it's just got a toilet paper roll with toilet paper on it. But it's like Amazing. this super, like, industrial, like, Tsukamoto Iron Man-looking VR helmet with a toilet paper roll on it. It's like on, on the far end, like, just kind of hanging down in front of his face. And he's, like, you know, jamming on the decks. Great. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she the whole time, she's just hanging out at the wall. Of course. Uh, with this guy dancing kind of shittily just or he just notices her and walks up to her he looks pretty suave he's well dressed mm. asks her to dance and uh when <laughs> when she asks his name he's like as of yet i have no name <laughs> hmm <laughs> is he real uh well like uh, <laughs> what what I mean is is he a real person? Is he a supernatural being? Is he perhaps an extra dimensional being? My theory is no, because this <laughs> all kind of. But I understand where you're coming from, and and we're gonna get to that because you might win me over. Yeah, I feel that he perhaps exists somewhat outside of reality. And that he well, is perhaps a constructed uh being. Well, we'll see. We'll get we'll get into it. Uh but yeah, she goes he takes her to his house, apartment. Um quote unquote. Quote unquote. His. And it's like, well, you must be like super rich to be able to afford this place. It's like, oh yeah, well, I work for my father's cosmetic company. Very specific. Uh, good way to lie. And there's a, 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 it's got a really nice view. Yeah, but then he like suddenly shuts off the light. He's like, now tell me, who are you really? Mm-hmm. Just kidding. <laughs> but you know These... what, though? That's a very specific thing to ask her. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I... I I can see how, but like not something that a normal person would ask another normal person. 
Or no, not something that you might ask unless you knew about her already? Right. And the the way he interacts with her is very strange. And also the titling of the files ultimately is also quite strange, considering this. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So flashing ahead, uh, when we see the files, they're job one. That's a name. I don't like that as a name for a sex file yeah uh, as the name of a sex video there is something troubling about that that it is job number one uh and uh it also that it's numbered uh and we only see one the first time but um yeah that it's a job that he has no name as of yet that he is asking oh who are you really and he's weird and ominous about it and it's like <laughs> nah, i'm just psyching you out and he's got like this weird cutout uh of a woman in the okay room. so my first thought was like it's like hey that looks like avril lavigne it's not <laughs> but that's like it's like avril, avril lavigne air yeah, very similar and, and that's how i refer to her from from now on right it's the cardboard standee uh, yeah. that he's got in the place yeah and as like they skip right to the makeout on the couch mm-hmm. and uh, as she's looking around while they're having sex she notices this like old-timey canon camera uh we later find out is an eight millimeter or supposedly an eight millimeter yeah i mean it doesn't necessarily look like one but it also doesn't look like it's on when yeah. she's looking yeah. at it here and but it is sort of around the right place for video number one. Yes. Um, Job so, number one, excuse me. So, yeah, skipping ahead, this is the this is where the sex video gets made. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we're finally there. This is like half an hour in. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like they, they have sex, they make out. Um, and then she wakes up and sees the Avril Lavigne cutout. Right, because, like, she spends the night there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I I guess she just leaves the next morning. Yeah, Um, she goes home. Yeah, she goes home. Uh, We see, like, a montage of just different people buying food at the marketplace. Mm -hmm. While somebody is, like, telling, I think it's, like, a ghost story or something like that. No, not a ghost story. Telling about, like, some weird remedy that cured her husband's eyesight or yeah just someone kind of babbling on about a folk remedy yeah i don't know if it becomes relevant or not Um, actually something that i i forgot about that uh we we didn't touch upon when she was working as the mascot oh what's that uh is that afterwards you know after her day of work getting her picture taken in the mascot costume she goes upstairs and she gets paid and it's a beauty studio and they're taking like cheesecake photos of these girls and he's oh, like right. why don't you come and work on this side we I, we'd love to photograph you here and she's really uncomfortable with it yeah she's like i'll think about it in that way that you know that she is absolutely not thinking about it right so i i feel like it's sort of a matter of how publicly available it is and because like the that makes sense with, with the other one uh it's it's a private cam show Mm -hmm. like it's just so it's she does not want her image to exist beyond very specific boundaries yeah yeah 
Yeah, so, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. So here when she's mascotting, we can tell she's kind of falling asleep. Like, mm-hmm. just the way she, her head kind of drooping. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut to nighttime, and this is her nighttime routine. She sits at the open window smoking a cigarette with her beauty mask on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then tr- goes to sleep, tries to sleep, cannot get to sleep. This is, you know, we've all been here. So what do you do? You just open up your laptop and go to your favorite porn site. And hey, look, new video on her favorite porn, her favorite porn site that she got bookmarked that X she clicked videos. into. Yeah. XXXX videos. <laughs> Four X's. And, he, and the thumbnail for this video is the Avril Lavigne standout. Right. Um, and it's titled Job it's titled 001. Job, yeah. Uh, so she clicks on it. And if I didn't know it was her, I wouldn't be able to tell it was her. But it's it's her. It. This is her having sex with that dude the other night. Right. And and that's exactly what people will say to her later. And it's like, well, I mean, I wouldn't know it was you if you didn't tell me it was you. Yeah. Like, like, like she even says to somebody later on, like, is this OK? Is my reputation going to be ruined? And the person she's talking to is like, nobody can prove that that's you. Yeah. Like, that's, I, that's the short version. She has a longer version that i got written down yeah and it's sort of a legalese thing because ultimately it's also that they can't do anything about it yeah like like what the resolution ends up being i'll go to the website and request that they take it down and you know they might take it down in a couple weeks but like or not at all or not at all but like in a couple weeks People will have seen it for five billion hours of time. <laughs> like well, that, that's sort of the nature of online pornography is it lasts forever. Uh, yeah. Or that it and it, it can be downloaded. It can. Uh, oh, be yeah. Re-added can other be places. Like and, taking something down off of one site does nothing. And like any anything there has thousands and thousands of views uh, very quickly. So it, it's sort of just. It's putting a finger in a dam. It's it's just such a huge, huge thing. It's monolithic. So, interesting thing about huge monolithic things. As she's watching the video, we see the sisters downstairs like, do you feel the ground shaking? Oh, mm-hmm. it's an earthquake. It's not an earthquake. Don't say that or you might, get, or you might make an earthquake happen. <laughs> so, just like the... And just like... I just feel like the weight of her psyche breaking is manifesting itself kind of physically here. Yeah, like her, whatever it is, like it's hard to say well, that yeah, it's I don't rage know if it's... or like her yeah, reaction to this. The, her... Yeah, the, we don't get I don't any... even know if her psyche's breaking at this point. She's just, she's feeling something and we don't know what. Well, you know, she's Bronson fuging. She's staring at it, and we know that she is taking it in in some sense. We don't know how, but, like, she's taking it in with an intensity. And and that's sort of the, the thing. It's very intense, but we have no idea what emotion it's supposed to represent. But it's so intense that it's warping reality around her. Yeah. So uh, the next scene, we see her standing outside 
an apartment building <laughs> and the dude from last night shows up and looks at her. He's just like, Oh, hey. well, <laughs> and then, he's, like, he's well, pretty cool. He but says, like, Oh, and then he says, Hey, and yeah, he is cool. He invites her in. They, they like go back up to the apartment. She sees the camera there and it's like, Hey, what's up with this camera? Huh? And, and he's, he's like, just like, hey. yeah, it's an old film camera. camera, old film. We got it from rattles a lot. Yeah. Uh, very important to note that any video from that would take days to develop. Right. He's which like, he very specifically points out. Yeah. And he's like, do you, do you want to borrow it? You can use it. I don't care. <laughs> and she's just like, but uh, he's nervous though. Or at least in this yeah. scene, he feels nervous. Well, but then you don't expect your one night stand to come wait and waiting for you to get home. So and, I would be nervous too. And she's very intense and yeah. she's kind of weird. Uh, and yeah. And, and like the, the questions he's asking, like, I mean, okay, you can, you can borrow it, I guess, whatever. Uh, oh yeah. And he's also like, yeah, there's no film in there either. Right. And she's just like, I'll come back <laughs> again and leaves. And he's like, yeah. Hey, hold on. What the, all right. He's like, okay. Of course, it will turn out that this place is an Airbnb, an illegal Airbnb. An illegal Airbnb, because it's not enough to just be a regular Airbnb. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she goes home. Uh, the family's watching soccer. She does not participate and goes straight up to her room. To look at porn again. Yeah. Uh, we've got, like, montages of this festival. Uh going on outside but like pointedly like focusing on people with their cameras and their phones recording things more than right. the festival itself yeah just just sort of the endless maw of the internet just pulling in content of everything everywhere yeah so the next thing uh the next thing that she does she meets up with these friends of hers i don't know their names i don't know if they're ever given but she hasn't seen them in forever yeah, and they're kind of like, why do you never contact us? What's up with that? You only ever want to hang out with us when you're feeling down. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, I admit it. <laughs> no further, no further explanation. Yeah, she does not elaborate about what she's going through. She didn't like get a hold of friends for them to like help her with this in any way. Mm hmm. So, yeah, yeah, no, she didn't even like. They're here to take her mind off of things, I guess, and it doesn't work. No. Because uh, the next it's, day she's... It, well, they, they go to a carnival, uh, which oh, I yeah, really right. like to see in black and white, and it's just, you know, neon. and. Yeah, light. that's right. They spend like a few minutes, they're on a Ferris wheel. What it reminded um, me of was uh, the episode of... Uh, uh, oh my god, what, what's the, the anime series? Uh, I need more than the anime the, series. The only one that we've watched together. Uh, Akira? My my everyday life series. Oh, Nichijou! Nichijou! Nichijou. Like, one of the best animes there is. Yeah, so the, the episode of Nichijou where uh, they go to the fair and uh, one loses the other's wallet. And it's her just on all of the rides at the fair, just utterly stone-faced. 
the whole day <laughs> over having Actually, lost her wallet. Yeah, that's right. That, that this is the immediate kind of thing that came like. to mind for me. Yeah. Yeah, so so we actually spent like quite a bit of time with them just bullshitting at the fair. Yeah, and lots of just cool fair vibes, them partying. It's cool. Yep. And then that night she's uh smoking on the balcony. Um she checks out her porn site and now there's job two uploaded. Job two and job three. And job three. We look at job two and given what we know about what happened and and like this job two is impossible. Yes, exactly. And this is where I'm wondering about the reality of things and whether it's these are supernaturally created or she is a very unreliable uh, focal point. Like what we are seeing is not like the way she's reacting to things is not proportionate to what actually happened. Yeah. So so what job two is and why it's impossible is it's the exact same scene, but it's filmed like by somebody with a hand camera, like going around, zooming in. At one point, she looks directly into this camera. A third person. Yeah, a third. Like uh, for this movie to exist, a third person has to have been present while they were having sex. Or the camera itself is a ghost. Uh, and or or like it is like, again, what we're saying, the, the, uh, as I was saying previously, the, the gaping maw of the Internet, it is the camera uh as just a sentient being seeking out this and absorbing this content. Or job two is someone else altogether and she's imagining that it's her. Or she's imagining the existence of job two altogether. Or all three of them are not her. Because there's there's like it kind of looks like her and it kind of looks like the same place. The standee is kind of a giveaway, but... This is a an illegal Airbnb that people have been using. Yeah. We don't see the guy's face. We see her and she feels it looks like her. The other people don't feel that it does. It could be that these are not her at it, all. It could be, yeah. But my read on it is they are and that there is sort of an impossible supernatural thing happening here. Because of another later thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like the point is, there's more videos coming. They, she thinks they're her, whether they are or not. They, she, she thinks they are. And right, and and this one specifically, where it like it, it very pointedly goes over her eyes, and you see her look directly at the camera. Yeah, which uh, you'd think she'd remember. Right. But You'd we think. don't know that she doesn't because we have never seen anything of her reaction to any of this. True. So maybe there was a third person in the room that we just don't know about. But it seems weird then the way she acted when she went and saw him. Mm-hmm. So now she's going back to the apartment again, like, and like she forces her way, like first she's like pow- hammering on the doorbell. And some American guy opens up like, hey, could I help you? In English, of course. And she forces her way in, and he's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, hey. And there's this other guy, like, they're like, what are you doing? This is an Airbnb. Do you understand? Airbnb? (laughs) These people, does anyone in this country speak American? Yeah, she's just like, 
oh, uh, so this was a whole scam, maybe? Like, here, I think she maybe feels like she was, she's involved in some sort of conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Um, or or sh- maybe. So she goes back uh, and decides to flag the video for, well, you only have two options. One is copyright infringement, and the other is, like, Everything else, like if it's harassment, if it's uh, trademark infringement, if it's yeah anything else. So, so in my mind, it's like, hmm, well, one of these reports, one of these report sections gets looked at, and the other does not. Is right, what and, I'm thinking. And it's it's also an extremely large queue. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, ultimately, it's it's not a huge recourse, so she very quickly decides to go talk to a lawyer. Oh, is, is that, I couldn't quite figure out who this was, if it was like a police person. Is is it a lawyer? I assume so, because she's kind of talking about, she's she's very legalese in the way she talks, and she's sort of explaining what recourse she has, and is like, well, we could do this, we can contact them, maybe they'll take it down, maybe they won't. She yeah. gives all the statistics. I, it feels lawyerly to me. Yeah. And, and well, and she's using the name Mrs. Park for this, which is uh, like, for those who don't know, that's like the Korean version of saying I'm Mrs. Smith. Yeah, yeah. Um. So and yeah, the lawyer's like, okay, well, we can take action if you know the guy's name. I, I don't think he had one. Yeah, well, yeah. He didn't have one yet. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, not yet. He was just created that day. Possibly. Maybe. But yeah, here's where she reveals that the apartment was an illegal Airbnb. Right. And then she's like, okay, well, we will look for a man who is 180 centimeters tall, whose father runs a cosmetic company. We'll keep our eyes peeled. Yeah, like her description of him, there's really not much to go on. She doesn't know his name. He's a pretty normal looking person. Yeah. No real distinguishing marks. And it's like, and this is where she also says to her, like, I mean, if you didn't tell me it was you, I would not have guessed that this was you, the way this person looks, the way this person moves. It doesn't make me think it's like you at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like this person isn't acting anything like you. Um, but who is her? Really? Yeah. How does she act? Because this person, (laughs) this person is making movements and facial expressions that don't seem like you. Yeah, this person is uh, alive. This person seems to be reacting in some sort of way and just doesn't strike me as something you do. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, she's like, we'll request that the videos be removed from the site. Anyway, that's it. Bye. And and yeah, I she gives the like, whole thing about the five billion hours. Yeah, of, so it's like, is it going to be okay? It's like, there are five billion hours of pornography online, which takes five million years uh, to view. But that is just how much human desire there is. Yeah, anyway, there's the no weight proof of all, you. Right, the weight of all human desire. Uh, and she's... And, and and it's also, yeah, like, we can't really prove it. You, it's you. No one can. And, like, there's nothing here to distinguish it. It's called job one. It, it has no names. I mean, you're the only one who's connecting it to you. Yeah, she's basically saying 
she's basically telling her like look you're going to be fine this yeah. will not affect you. this this is not going to prevent you from getting a job at anywhere right anyone who sees yeah whoever does see this isn't going to link it to you right unless you link it to yourself uh yeah. and and the, I guess it's after this she goes to the support group. Here's unquote. where she goes to the support group because, like the the lawyer lady's like, "Well, we've got brochures for support groups right. out at the front." This is the strangest scene in the movie for me. This scene is, I, th- this scene kind of like was like, this is the part where it's like, is this real? Right? <laughs> Am I actually not seeing this? Are we actually being shown an imaginary thing the whole time? Right. So it's like they're all saying exactly the same thing. Like there are very slight variations, but it's like they've each been given this short script. And they're yeah, all supposed so, to recite it in a circle. Yeah. So they're all in a circle. Um, she asks, like, who wants to go first? And this one person's like, OK, I'll go. So I was seeing this guy. Uh, last year but then a boyfriend that i had three years ago posted an embarrassing photo on me on twitter and i don't know if the guy i was dating last year saw it but after that our relationship soured yeah and everyone's like thank you for sharing and they all applaud (laughs) clap clap and then they all say you haven't done anything wrong you yourself haven't changed at all now who wants to go next and this guy comes up and he says, I shit you not, word for word, the exact same thing. I was dating a guy last year. Yes. But then somebody, but then my boyfriend from three years ago posted an embarrassing picture of me on Twitter. And, um, and I don't know if my boyfriend from last year saw it, but after that, our relationship soured. You haven't done anything wrong. And like, <laughs> When he said the exact same words the whole time, I was like, is this the acting class again? That's kind of like, <laughs> like, is this supposed it's the to exact same by... vibe? Um, I thought like maybe this was supposed to be a thing to help like dissociate herself from the video because that's even what the lawyer suggests like just look at that video and imagine it's somebody else or don't look at it at all but you know right but then like we have i think three more people do their own version of it and there's slightly different yeah the the other three each have very slight variations on it but they're just like variations in terms of the length of time or like it was this you know it was my ex-boyfriend from high school or uh, you know, I, it was this guy I was dating uh, last last month or something rather than last year. But, yeah, basically the exact same thing. And sometimes it'll be a video. Sometimes it'll be an uh, image. Until we get to the end, there's a woman who's very visibly distraught. Yes. And the last one is story, upset. Yeah. Uh, in her story, I think the guy killed himself i i got I, I kind of uh actually glazed over because i thought it was just going to be the same and then i realized oh no shit she's saying something different but right so, somehow the revenge porn caused the guy involved to kill himself or yeah like someone someone killed himself. i think it may have been the original boyfriend or something 
uh, or like I'm, I'm, I don't remember if it was the boyfriend who posted or the new boyfriend. But I think it was the boyfriend who posted it because uh, that's what I thought, too. Yeah. So it wasn't like it didn't cause him to kill himself. It's just like maybe it created more of a public spectacle of it. Uh, and that's one where I feel like, OK, yeah, I that, that would that would really do a lot. Uh, the, the other ones, they all seem very vague about it because like they're saying Super an vague. embarrassing picture on Twitter. Which is like, do you were you making a funny face? Like, do, is it like they're they're all very uh, carefully insulating themselves from it being anything explicit in nature it's like if you went to alcoholics anonymous and then said one time i got drunk and i did something silly and everyone's yeah. like well you can start the healing process you were very brave for sharing all that or like it's like i thought about having a drink and i i uh did something bad or, or like it's it's so far removed and and everyone's like just completely dissociated from any of it like there's like it is there's only one person has any emotion whatsoever it's and strange the thing is, they don't believe her because quote she has a new story every day so this guy is walking uh, right it's back it, again her. just like the acting sequence afterwards there's a talk with the other students in the class and it's like so yeah let's dissect what we just uh, did in the class together yeah and it's like next time they're going to actually go to the sites um this will help them process the trauma and this is apparently what they do in america supposedly they're gonna go to the places what places the internet like, are they going to watch the videos in front of everybody? Are they this gonna, sounds terrible. Like, I, I don't understand where they're going. Like, the place is like, are they going to the place that they had sex? A place where a video was taken? Because in none of them are they, like, places where they had some kind of sexual trauma. The, like, these are not described as being... Uh, uh, assaults in any way it's just oh someone posted an embarrassing picture uh there was yeah. a video taken like none of them are related to places well the no what he said was that they're going to the actual sites right which like to me that means the websites i guess so uh, that that's like, how i read it anyways it could totally be but it also kind of suggests that they're going, the, to physically going to physically actual sites <laughs> We're going to find the the apartment with the Avril Lavigne cut out. Right. It, it kind of feels like he's saying that. And that seems just as likely in the context of this bizarre avant-garde way of healing. Like, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. And the way they're all acting doesn't seem like it's emotionally healing in any sort of way because it's like they have no emotional attachment to what they're saying. Yeah, except for the one girl who he very specifically says, I don't believe her. Because she changes her story every time. Right. Um, and then he says to I, he's like, will I be able to believe you when you tell your story? And it's like, dude. Oh, right. And notably, not... she was unwilling to share. Like, the, yeah, the she teacher's like, would share. you like She's to? like, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Because this is weird. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> hers is like more. I don't think you could summarize her story like like they did here well yeah i don't know 
Because, uh, I mean, it's not that complex. She met this dude and she had a one night stand. And the next day she found a video online of them. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. And like, and they don't they don't talk about how this made them feel. No, of course not. They just say that this they is just what say happened. the relationship soured. And that, that's it. Right. Are, are we sad that the relationship soured? Are we happy about this? What? I mean, like, if that's all it takes, like, someone posted a video of you and that ruins your current relationship, that's kind of a problem with the partner, too. Yeah, but none of these stories are real, probably, so... Right, it just seems very manufactured and it just seems totally affectless. It's like all of them are brought together in a room to mirror her disaffected reality like they they are just going through the motions of this thing they all feel artificially constructed and it does feel like other than when she's with her family she is just wandering through a world of people who are artificial constructs that have just no reality underneath them kind of yeah actually um like the family the family does seem to be the only people in there the is a dynamic. who have a reality outside of her. Yeah, the, the way they react to each other, they, they have a bond with one another. And I, I do think there is an urban alienation thing to a lot of this movie, and especially when you get to her out in the world, which I guess is right after this, is like her unable to do the mascot thing anymore and her just kind of unable to exist anymore because there's just cameras everywhere consuming everything yeah so so here's where she's like late for work but she also gets a phone call from a creeper um it's the guy she it's, yeah it's, it's the this... guy oh sorry from the creeper i, I didn't write the <laughs> uh but yeah it's the it's the guy you know who posted the, the video phone call actually if the phone call actually happened but then it's, that's a whole other thing it's like i'll be watching you and right. then here's where she starts like noticing all the CCTV cameras. And like um, th this is this is specifically the moment that kind of makes me think that he sort of exists outside of reality that he is sort of a projection of the internet. He is the a projection of the camera. Like he is an embodiment of it in some way. He is like a ghost of a camera or like the uh uh a sort of phantom of like the modern folklore like he is emanating from the internet rather than from the underworld or the afterlife it could be that or it could be that she perceives the internet as that and she like thinks the whole internet is watching her and this guy is just the manifestation yeah. of yeah yeah, and, and like it, it, it's it's so locked in her perception without us really ever getting an idea of how she feels about it that it's sort of hard to get a grasp on the alienness of it. But it's it's this weird moment of her like just being out there, uh, and being so aware of being looked at, uh, and just seeing cameras everywhere, and just being extremely aware of the potential of being seen yeah like so she's doing her mascot thing but she just wanders away she just kind of turns sideways between them for a little bit and she's yeah. like kind of sort of half lurking behind one of them and then like as they're taking pictures she just kind of 
slowly drifting away from the rest of them. And like someone's like, Bunny Rabbit, come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she she come she goes back home and uh, the mother finds out she's got a nosebleed and is all like, Oh, are you okay? and all that. And then he, from here we go straight to her handing at some kind of a shop. Um I can't really yeah, I did not know what sort of shop. It seemed like some sort of esoteric antique shop. That's what I kind of feel like. But it has – she sees all this stuff that is reminiscent of the sex tape or or she's – The well, cameras. She sees a statue with a naked tit, which, you know, yeah, <laughs> doesn't have to be from her sex tape. But. Right. Well, like, but, again, yeah, it, it sort of seems like she has an obsession about this thing and it's consumed the rest of her reality. But it also seems like the rest of her reality is this unreal construct built around this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so she hands over her passport, ID, credit card and all of her cash to this guy. And this all you got? I, yeah. Is this all you got? And I'm just like, what? the hell is happening because uh we don't find out what this is for until well one scene later but it's a beautiful scene where she's like going on a boat through osaka and like down the the um i want to call it the sotenbori river but that's what it is in the yakuza video games <laughs> and i know that they changed the name from what it really is i couldn't say uh i want to say dotenbori but i could be wrong but it's it's gorgeous anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Like the Yakuza games are so good, I recognize this thing immediately from there. And then, I like think we see, this movie is very visually rich. Uh, I, I I do find like both the urban, uh, the the urban landscapes are great, and like especially when she's in the mascot costume and she's just that scene where she walks away from it, and we have a long pull out, so we see her kind of. Uh, small and uh, just it, it following her as she walks away and we just see the lights and everything above her mm-hmm. sort of stretching off into the distance and like just the bigness of a city. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, she's going down the river and then we see like these these factories. Some of them are old. Some of them are new. Some are still under construction. Um, and she ends up at this weird warehouse or butcher or something uh what it turns out what it is it's she's found a somehow we i have no idea how much time has passed uh between her walking away from the mascot job and now but somehow she's gotten she's gotten a hold of a back alley plastic surgeon who seems to be pretty good i guess is he because uh, I, I got I got some theories here. Um, so, yeah, she is lying down. Uh, he's drawing dotted lines on her, uh, prodding at her mouth with tools and stuff. She kind of wakes up partway through and she's like, I can't see. And the guy's like, OK, well, that's fine. That's normal. Don't worry about it. And, right. and like we see the ceiling lights, like the the surgery lights, and they just look like a whole bunch of eyeballs because it's all mm-hmm. like white with like the black dot in the middle. And it's just like she looks like she's being stared at by dozens of eyes. 
Right, which is sort of her whole thing. She uh, does not like being observed. So uh, we cut an indeterminate amount of time into the future where she looks completely different. The plastic surgery was a huge success. Yeah, she looks like a totally different individual. Only by a different individual, I imagine. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's making copies at uh, at like an office, and you know this is fantasy because here she is in Japan, leaving at five o'clock, right on the dot. That that's that's how I knew that this probably wasn't real. Right. Uh, she goes home. She's got like this sweet apartment, uh, a cool boyfriend slash husband. She's really moved up. Yeah, I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. And uh, it doesn't. Yeah, and then it's over. Yeah, she's like looking at the mirror, but like she still seems scared. And then there's just a hand on her shoulder, presumably the boyfriend, and then that's it. Credits. Yeah, cut to That's back. the whole movie. Uh, it, it's It's very elliptical. It's like... Okay, so and and that's kind of why I lean into the unreality of the middle of it and these couple very surreal things that are not explainable given the information that we have. Yeah, because um, my theory is everything from when she gets to the plastic surgeon is a dream. See, I don't like the dream ending. For for me, like I my I I never really go for it's all a dream uh, after a point because. It's just that's a non-ending like that. That's just like, well, then uh, the movie stops counting. Well, uh, for me, we like she changes, reality after. she transforms. At well, the end, like, yeah, given given the reality of the movie that we've seen, she transforms into another person at the end. Like she looks completely different and she this somehow is able to make her successful. This is her using what she learned from her acting class where perhaps she was capable this was her pretending to be someone someone successful and now she's someone successful yeah now how how did did she just walk away from her family did she tell them what was going on that's what uh, i presume that she just like, turfed her entire previous life I, how do they feel does she care how they felt like we we don't we have no idea how much time has passed here. No idea. And my assumption would be that she does not care how they feel and does not know. Uh, and she never seemed to. <laughs> yeah. she, she was living an artificial life at the beginning. So it's very easy for her to leave the life and become a new artificial person elsewhere. And and that's sort of why I'm talking about this guy as being this sort of artificial construct, because nothing about her interactions with him or the videos that seem to potentially be created out of it make any sense if we're to believe that they are her. And it sort of makes sense that they're her given the context. She believes it's, that her, she yeah. recognizes herself. Yeah. So uh, I mean enough to get plastic surgery. To yeah. It, which is quite extreme as a reaction to a video that no one else can recognize as her, but it's a it, minute it, and 30 seconds, by the way, this video. We, we see the runtime. That's all it is. Right. And it's kind of distant. It's low quality. It's gray, you know. Uh, yeah. 
but yeah, the the way reality kind of completely doesn't exist around anything he does. All all of the things that he's involved in uh, are extracurricular to reality. He is able to see her on the street. He has her phone number and is able to contact her, even though I assume she did not give it to him. She didn't yeah. seem to give him her name or he hers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like he has no name. He said he doesn't have one yet. Like he's not sure that there's one been created for him. He uh, the the way the camera moves as a third person, even though there was certainly no third person there. I don't know. Yeah, because well, if there was a third person, that third person would have to show up in job one. Right. Which clearly didn't. Clearly did not. So yeah. Uh, it's it's strange, and and each of the videos is longer, but we don't see them. Yeah, yeah, we we don't see job three at all. Right, we just see the title. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's a very elliptical thing. It's uh, another choose your own reality in certain ways, but a much different one from what we discussed with Jesus shows you the way. Although, I would say you know a, a similar sort of examination of the internet. Yeah, yeah, like. Like a lot of this is like, yeah, so your sex tape got uploaded. Nobody's going to fucking see it is is like a lot of what she's a lot of what they're telling her. Listen to my fire sex tape. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, I I mean, it it is sort of a a thing that like it's crazy that they happen to show up on her favorite page right at the bottom. Yeah, that's the weird thing, too, like. That, that is not a front page video. No, and it, it all seems to have been created specifically for her. And and that's sort of what I talk about, the constructed reality of everything. Like her going to that class, the class seems very artificial. It doesn't make any sense the way it's run. Uh, the the teacher I've doesn't seem to, to do anything. classes. To be yeah. fair, yeah, that's why it sort of <laughs> squares with reality. That is like, well, that's absurd. But it's when it's mirrored it's again in the group therapy. Absurd. Yeah, so the group therapy, that part was like... And it mirrors the thing. It, and the group yeah. therapy is impossible. So, like, you contrast those and it's like, okay, you start picking at the threads and none of the reality of it really fits together in a sensible pattern. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's a very interesting movie. Yeah, like how much of it is all inside her head? Um, like I, I'm I'm leaning toward psychosis more than more than supernatural myself. I I like the unreality. I do feel that this is a surreal film, uh, and particularly in light of "I'll Be Your Mirror," which is the accompanying short film. Oh yes, film so which we do need to discuss desk. this. Um, because it is – there is one very important well, – well, a couple of very important things that definitely link it back to this, in my opinion. And Parallels uh, is uh, central to this thing, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I'll be your mirror. It's very short. It's nine minutes, and a lot of it is just kind of ambiance. Uh, a, a lot of it is them on a train. Yep. Because you gotta. I I love the train stuff. Oh, yeah. So we have... uh, So, yeah, we have them on a train. We don't really see who we're supposed to be following right now. It's a couple. uh, Yeah. 
but the train stops and a woman with an umbrella and a like a like a trench coat kind of thing gets off and then another woman with an identical umbrella and identical trench coat gets off the train just a little bit after but just enough distance between them that neither one of them would really see each other yeah necessarily. and and uh the second one is our main character from um, yeah played like the same actress same actress yeah uh so yeah the the first one goes into an apartment unlocks it and everything and then just after going inside the second one does the goes into the same apartment unlocks the door and all that and then we cut to inside the apartment where the guy I guess he runs like a restaurant or something. He's on the phone with somebody because the health inspector, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and he's making soup while he does it. And he's clearly an accomplished chef. He's pretty good at all of this stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I can't come in. I'm doing something. I have very important onions to cut. Yeah. Making soup uh, for my wife. Get off my back. Yeah. So, yeah, they're they're talking for a bit or he's talking to her more like and then suddenly we cut and there's two people at the table two girls ladies across from him uh yeah is, just uh, right next to her and doing parallel actions to her mm-hmm. and uh yeah so later on they're like sitting on the couch uh the three of them the guy and then the girls are kind of like leaning on each other well the guy's like hey why don't we take a trip to your hometown osaka yeah and they have this right osaka which is where uh our character is from in the previous movie and she's basically like i don't want to go there it's boring right and i would also say that it's similar to the apartment that she was in at the end if not the same one and could be I don't know if this is the same guy or if the other actress is the same hair. actress at the end. He does have different hair. So yeah. I'm I'm not totally sure, but like it it feels like it's supposed to be her and her shadow person is the original person. Yeah. Uh but like yeah, the, while he's going through his spiel about us going on a trip, the two of them sort of like trade back and forth answering yeah, but he he only speaks as if he's speaking to one person. Right. He doesn't seem to be aware that there's two people here or, right. or that there, he's talking. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no indication in his demeanor that there is a second person. And the way like that first scene played out, uh, it, it's sort of like we just sort of suddenly see that there are two of them there for a couple sequences. And it's like, oh, there's, there's her just doing exactly oh, the same I thing right next to her think i get it when it's it's like her new reality that she created her for herself mm. uh, post plastic surgery and then like the fragmented carpet compartmentalized part of her brain that she just kind of shut out uh, revived upon hearing about osaka uh and and that's the one who's seemed to be like i don't want to go there i don't want to go to osaka let's not i I don't know, because I feel like she's already present the whole time, but she definitely becomes more wrapped up in it, and they're both involved in the second part, but it's it's hard to draw a lot from it because it's so brief. 
Yeah. Well, what it, how it ends up ending is uh, she spills her water, like she dumps her glass on the floor, and the guy goes, like, to gets a rag, gets down on his knees, on his knees to pick it up, and original eye, uh, I feel like this is important, just grabs his head and like starts pushing it into the ground, mm-hmm. and that's that that's the end. Yeah. There's suddenly like a uh, mirror woman breaks. Just isn't there anymore. Yeah. And so I think this is like the shattering of her f- new identity that she, uh, it's really it's hard, hard to, to interpret. But it, it does kind of feel like it's meant to directly reflect upon videophobia. It is uh, sort of an extension of it in that way that it sort of feels like a riff on the same surreal nature and that like there's this constructed reality around her that is breaking down and in in both of them like it is constructed realities that don't fit together very well and are just cracking yeah but yeah both really cool like a, a total vibe very interesting uh recommended to watch together uh these are on uh, like I said, Connie releasing or Canny, new label, pretty new. Cool, cool. Yeah. So, so uh, the original, the um, video phobia came out in like 2018, and I'll be your mirror was copyrighted 2022. They're even referencing like table dividers and hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Even though it's right, 2022 yeah. and COVID's over, apparently. Right, I, I that's right. Because when she's on the train, she's wearing a mask and stuff yeah. too. Yeah. Which which definitely shows like, oh yeah, we we can see the the passage in time that like this is now, whereas that the other one is just before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, really cool, uh, good stuff. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on that before we move to part three? Uh, yeah. See, this reminds me of the time. When I was dating a guy last year, but then my ex from middle school uh, posted an embarrassing photo of me on Twitter, and I don't know if he saw it, but our relationship soured after that. Uh, you are the same person. Uh, you you have not changed. <laughs> oh, thank God. Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> on to part two. And we're back for part three, where we're going to talk about other movies we watched in the past week and decide what we're going to watch next week. Uh, first, uh, do you want to talk a bit about Human Lanterns? Oh, yeah, I do. So this is another Shaw Brothers movie that uh, that we that we watched uh, hanging out. Yeah, so there's another one from 88 Films that recently came out. And uh, very unusual, and this is a horror wuxia. Yeah, so, like, so what it is, uh, there's this asshole guy who's i guess our hero protagonist protagonist yeah he um he's been invited to this lantern festival held by his rival some other some other lord or master or something but he's like and he's and his wife's like hey don't go the master there hates you for some reason turns out the master there hates him because he's a freaking jerk his master hates him because he's just like this over competitive dick who has beef with him, like who just constantly like it's not that the other guy has a problem with him. It's that he has a problem with the other guy. We're introduced to the guy who is the problem. Yes. 
Because the other guy doesn't seem that bad. Like, he is competitive with this guy, but it's only because this guy is such a dick. (laughs) Yeah, so... um... So the guys, so the guy hosting the party is like, I'm gonna win the lantern festival. I'm gonna have the best lantern there is. And the other guy's like, No, I'm gonna make a lantern that's better than yours, even though I didn't know I was gonna be doing this. Suddenly, this is the most important thing in my world. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's like Bart wanting to do something that Lisa's doing. You know, <laughs> it's exactly like that. <sighs> Or, or like your dogs, when one of them is getting pet, the other <laughs> one is like, no, I must be petted too. I must be petted only. That is Sarah's problem. Yeah, Remy's yeah, much that's better right. about it. Uh, yeah, so he goes to this lantern maker who, uh, <laughs> who he uh, maimed in a fight earlier, like in the back, like several years ago in the backstory. As like, mm-hmm. oh no, I've forgiven you. I'm just a humble lantern maker now. I make lanterns. No, I'll he doesn't even. He, he does not even suggest that he's forgiven him. He oh, is yeah, like, right. don't you remember what you did to me? I hate you. I don't want to work for you. He's like, I'll give you money. He's like, you're just gonna do it. I believe you're gonna do it. You're the only person who can make lanterns, and you're really great at it. I'm gonna need you to do this for me, and he kind of just like, all right. I mean, I'm gonna get my revenge on you, but uh, we'll we'll just go ahead and do that. So, this guy like, he's kind of a a kung fu master and kind of a yokai monster. Yeah, like, he, he puts, puts on this furry costume, <laughs> and he fights like he fights like a beast. It's really cool. Yeah, and I like the mask. It's like a skull mask, and then he's got just, like, furry legs and arms. Yeah, so what he does is he kidnaps people um, that are important to the main guy's life, and he skins them and turns their skin into lanterns in his uh, torture dungeon. Mm Mm-hmm. And eventually, like, all these people go missing, and, and our hero's like, whoa. I don't have anything to do with it, even though he actually doesn't. Yeah, and like both he and the guy who he's a rival of, like there are people involved with both of them, and both of them act very suspicious, even though neither of them actually have anything to do with it, although he technically does have something to do with it, he just doesn't know it. Yeah, but it's a whole thing like, you know, I bet Master Tien probably kidnapped those women to get back at me for being real good at lanterns. It's like what we were saying, like when we were watching it, it's like Mark Wahlberg in The Happening when it's like, no, no, we're not trying to kill you at all. That's what. Why would you believe that? Like the most unconvincing thing, even though it isn't what he was doing. Yeah, (laughs) like like. He responds with what looks like fake indignation. It's so weird. But yeah, a, a really great one. Totally recommend. Uh, it's it's a really unique look. It's like a wuxia made by Mario Bava. Like it's, it's beautifully lit. It's got really atmospheric uh, locations and sets. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's dark. Like you see the thing happening. It's gruesome. It's like, a uh, quite bloody. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, he's got like this whole, his workshop is just covered in blood. He's got that big person grinder in the middle of it. <laughs> the person grinder. Awesome. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
great action, not as much action necessarily as eight diagram pole fight fighter, but no, but that's like gold standard. <laughs> yeah. But it, the action that's there is really good and it's, it's a lot of fun. I really mm-hmm. like this one. Uh, so we have seven potential picks for next week. Ooh. Uh, first up, I watched Miami Connection. This time, you know, the Miami Connection cut, not the the Escape from Miami one. Right, right. Which is definitely better. It's sweeter. It's sillier. It's kind of more <laughs> dorkily innocent. And it just flows together better, together better. It doesn't have as many of the songs or them just doing annoying stuff in stores and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it, it does have that, like I was saying when we were watching or when we were discussing Hiruko, it's like saved by the bell characters in <laughs> a gory violent canon pictures movie and notably they live in bayside and bayside high is where saved by the bell takes place no kidding and also like so the the end of escape from miami has a downer ending where a character dies and what i absolutely love about this Rewatching it now is that they did the exact same thing that the G.I. Joe movie did with Duke after Optimus Prime dying was really unpopular with kids. They were going to kill off Duke in the G.I. Joe movie, but then the backlash made them decide to just like put in an extra line of dialogue and like he's fallen into a coma and instead of him dying. (laughs) And then later on, they're like, don't worry, kids, he'll get better. Yeah. And then off screen, someone later says, like, he's okay. Uh, they kind of do it exactly like that. And I thought that was really cute because it does have a real G.I. Joe feel to it. Oh, right on. Uh, so next is Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Revenge? <sighs> Why revenge, does Michael huh? Myers need revenge? From <laughs> that time he fell off the balcony, it really hurt. I like this one is very stupid, like unbelievably stupid. And I kind of loved it. It's it to me. This one is like the Jason takes Manhattan of the Halloween series. Oh, it's okay. Like, this is so dumb, but I'm having kind of a great time for some reason for half of the movie. The main character, the girl, Jamie from the previous one, you know, the, the child who's uh, J- uh, Michael's niece. Right. She, because uh, Michael has familial relations now. Michael is chasing after his niece, who is a child and is incapable of doing so Some for some reason. She's <laughs> mute for the first half of the movie, and she's in an asylum. And for some reason, she's paired with this boy with a stutter. Uh, and the, they they changed the ending of the previous one to have Michael, like, find an underground tunnel and escape away and like get washed up down a river and like ends up in a shack. And then he just sleeps on a guy's couch for a year. (laughs) Yeah. I got Michael Myers crashing on my couch. Oh man. Can he make him, can he see if he'll do the fat bastard voice? No, no. Michael Myers. Different Michael Myers. Uh, yeah, he, and like, it's not that he's like crashing at his place. He's just like, on this slab in this weird guy's cabin by the river for an entire year. And then like it cuts to a year later and he like rises off the slab and kills the guy. It's bizarre. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Fucking Rip Van Michael. Uh, 
there's a mysterious cowboy in black who is following the movie around. We never see really his face. He just like steals Michael at the end of the movie. Very strange. Uh, Donald Pleasance is so over the top in this that it is an absolute delight. Oh, right on. <laughs> so, like, just to to compare it to like the first one to this one where like. Donald Pleasance dramatically yells at one point, Cookie Woman! Uh, <laughs> which is like pure gravitas. The Donald Pleasance gravitas. Oh yeah, and he has a very raspy voice in this one. So at this point, Donald Pleasance knows that these are stupid. Cookie Woman! <laughs> so what are three uh, things we know about Michael from the first movie? Uh... Because of how he is, he needs to have a mask on. Uh, he stabs good, and he doesn't yeah. have a reason for doing so. Uh, we, things that we know he does. So, he drives cars. He, okay, he drives cars, yep. He, he knows he, how to drive a car. He's good at decorating for Halloween. Loves to decorate for Halloween. What's the third? Uh... Oh, he can teleport. Uh, that that's questionable. That that's okay. Yeah, the teleportation is. He arguable. eats dogs. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> so those things are things that he does in this movie. He drives a lot of cars. There's a hilarious sequence where like he has just killed a guy and he steals his car and he's just driving around it all Halloween night. Uh, there's a sequence where he's chasing after his niece through a Christmas tree farm and it's for me the funniest moment in the movie is just seeing. POV slasher shot, but from the dashboard of a car where he's just in a in a Corvette and you see the Michael Myers mask in the rearview mirror. (laughs) 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 And like it's it's so over the top that by the end of it, like Pleasance just drops a net on him from the ceiling and is beating him with a two by four like it's a (laughs) bug funny. I had a pretty good time with it. Okay. <laughs> like, All it's right. so stupid. It's it's like, I, I enjoyed it so much because it's like, I'm watching a spin-off movie. This is a parody movie. This is unrelated to the Halloween series. Uh, uh, was John Carpenter involved? No. <laughs> uh, so next up is Stingray. This is another one that's very bizarre tonally. Okay. Kind of like a mix of hee-haw style comedy where just every single character is cartoonishly stupid. Mm, But then like ridiculously harsh violence that just comes out of nowhere, like a cop getting shot in the head. Hmm. And it's about these two dumb crooks and they've uh, done this drug deal and they have a bunch of money and a bunch of cocaine or no, a bunch of heroin. And they, stash it in this Corvette on a used car lot uh, just before the police pick them up. Right. And so they, they get questioned, but they don't have anything on them, so they have to kick them loose. And they come back to retrieve it, but they see these two dumb 70s dudes who are buying the car. And then it's just them chasing these dudes around for the entire movie. You know, one of those 70s all-car chase movies. Okay, okay. I, I like a good car chase. But yeah, like with hee-haw style comedy where these guys are unbelievably stupid, like everyone is very dumb. Hmm. 
a strange, strange mix. I, I sent a couple clips of it to the thing where the, the guy, they, they crash through a concert and a dude with a peace shirt uh, pulls out a pistol and shoots at them like eight times. <laughs> <laughs> the hilarious scowl on his face. Uh, next Bro, thing. you're ruining our peaceful concert, man. <laughs> They're having a psychedelic concert in the park. <laughs> the no violence message didn't get through man because of your car i better shoot you now man yeah so next up a different kind of fish we've got piranha uh, another jaws exploitation movie uh, this one with another different animal like instead of orca or we've got piranhas <clears throat> oh piranhas. god there's more than one Many piranhas, uh, notably super intelligent piranhas trained by the military to fight in Vietnam. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so <laughs> trained, so super intelligent piranhas trained by the military to fight Vietnam. in Vietnam. Yeah, but then so you know the Vietnam the piranhas going to do in the jungle. Well, they're going to drop them in rivers and stuff. Uh, and okay. They, like, they've trained them to, like, navigate mazes and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, the, the war ended, so they didn't, they, they just kind of canceled the project, but they had all these super dangerous piranhas that they just left in this facility up in the mountains above uh, summer camp. Oh, oh, so then they get into the river and navigate to, like, what, the sewers of the camp? There's a dam, but they navigate around a tributary. And it's it's this great have your cake and eat it too sort of structure where like you the heroes uncover the thing and they have to race to get to the thing and like stop them from opening the dam to flood the water into the bottom area, which will let the fish through. Oh, hold and on, then, the piranhas are gonna open the dam? Well the the people, they like they oh, okay. they you know, they uh replenish the water past the right, dam right. regularly. Oh and they get there right, in, dams just yeah, that's how they yeah. work. So they get there in time and they're able to stop it and they call the government and they get people to come in and take care of it and they're putting poison in the water and then they realize that there's this other tributary. So you get the to have the thing where they like bring in the government and they're really corrupt and you can see all the machinations going on and then they still fail so it gets to, to all of the people and starts like attacking a bunch of vacationers even though like we also got to see them save them it's great it's cool. so much fun all right uh, it's got dick miller you know that guy dick miller who's in fucking everything uh he's playing the mayor from jaws type character but it's like <laughs> if bruce campbell were him Oh, and he's, nice. he's in like a rhinestone cowboy suit. It's so cool. Yes. <laughs> uh, directed by Joe Dante, who, uh, you know, would go on to do gremlins and stuff. So like oh, okay. really good at cartoony stuff. Peak escalating chaos the whole movie. All right. Uh, next up, I had the Doris Wishman set wrong. I, I said Immoral 3 was the next one last week. But for some reason, it's just out of order in the list on the back. Uh, so the next one was The Amazing Transplant. Okay, what is The Amazing Transplant? So this dude gets a penis transplant. He, like, he's friends with this dude who's totally psychotic, but he's really successful with women. And this guy's an incel. He's he is uh, a virgin, and he just can't yeah. make it at all. Uh, and his, his friend turns out to be dying, 
So he goes to this doctor and he's like, I demand you graft my dying friend's penis onto my body. That's that's not going to. OK, well, anyway. Yeah. So help. because it's an evil dick, it causes him to commit sex crimes. <laughs> OK. Uh, it, it, it's another Doris Wishing one. It's it it feels like it's made by aliens. It's shot silent <laughs> and dubbed. So most of the time she doesn't want to show people's faces. So you either see the person listening to the person talking or you just see like feet or you see it like moving around and looking at other things in the room. Uh, and the, the really funny thing is like in it's it's sort of a slasher movie, a proto slasher movie ultimately, but it's sort of a soft core movie because it's just a lot of fake sex scenes that are <laughs> supposed to be rape scenes, but then they just kind of are just, totally relaxed and nonchalant uh but like there's all these scenes of like someone attacking someone so you see the camera very visibly the person holding the camera comes across the room and you see their shadow falling on people and stuff it's it's very very cheap but you know it's a whole vibe (laughs) right on uh next is the vault of horror uh, from the same people who made Tales from the Crypt, it's uh, based on more EC comics, you know, the ironic retribution stuff. Okay. Uh, really stacked cast of classic British comedic character actors. So they all get in this elevator and it goes down to the sub basement, even though they wanted to get off at the ground floor. And they get out and there's this round table in the sub basement and like the elevator won't take them, like closes up and leaves. So it's like, well, I guess we're stuck down here. And they all sit down and have a scotch. And very unrealistic plot is five British businessmen start talking about their dreams. <laughs> that's never huh. going to happen. That is not going to happen. That's, but, that's like a, Jap- a Japanese businessman goes home at five o'clock. <laughs> so they they all like have these recurring dreams involving their deaths. Uh, So it's, you know, it's an anthology horror and each of them is hilarious, ironic punishment. One of them is he's a real neat freak and he's always like yelling at his wife whenever anything is slightly out of place in his house. And then uh, at the end, she kills him and then divides all of his parts into a series of jars. So they're perfectly labeled. (laughs) It's very funny. Uh, One of them, there's a, a, a painter who gets his hand uh turned into a voodoo instrument so he can create paintings and then he uh attacks the paintings like a voodoo doll and whatever he does to the painting happens to the person in it so okay. sort of like a, a weaponized dorian gray thing it's pretty fun <laughs> right on and last up is other music uh which is a documentary about a major new york city record store uh that closed in 2016 it's sort of tracking them over the last couple months they're open and it's just a really fundamental record store in the early 2000s sort of like was the center of the post-punk revival and the dance punk scene they had like lots of in-store stuff uh this one i totally loved it made me very emotional but i worked in a record store in the aughts so it's very particular to me i guess (laughs) Mm, i see i see uh, but yeah, I, I totally loved it. There's a lot of great music. You get a lot of in-store performances by a lot of cool bands. Like a couple of the dudes from Animal Collective worked in this store. It's rad. Cool. All right. Well, uh, which of those seven would you like to talk about next week? Well, 
I'm torn between the top four. Uh, Miami Connection, Halloween 5, Stingway, Stingray, and Piranha. They're, it's a strong batch. Like, those are yeah. all pretty fun. Like, I, I, I wasn't really interested in the Halloween sequels besides number three and maybe number two. Right. You, you can't, by comparing it to Jason Takes Manhattan, you, you're, you are winning me over on number five. Yeah, I did. Like, I was surprised how much fun I had with it because I really didn't like it the last time I watched it. But just approaching it because, like, I, I, I have divorced myself from the concept of canon. I create my own canon now and I'm oh sure much more willing to kind of view crappy sequels as their own stupid thing. And watching this as its own very stupid thing worked. <laughs> Cookie well, I, woman. <laughs> I think. I, I kind of feel that movies should be able to stand on their own. Like True. I've missed maybe I've missed a few Marvel movies and now they're going to be inaccessible to me, for example. Probably. And and like what what I what I do like about this one is that it could like even though four sort of has to happen, it does sort of like it doesn't mention Laurie at all. It doesn't really uh, talk about it being a whole obsessive family thing. Like she is referred to as his niece and he is Uncle Michael. But other than that, <laughs> it's just sort of this whole weird thing where it's just this killer guy who's been haunting this town and everyone knows about him because like all of the kids dress up like him. You can like there's there's at least like 17 people who are dressed like him for Halloween and they're faking out the cops because it's a whole gag in this town. Like they know about Michael. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> There's so many things about it that are just bizarre. Uh, um, and that sounds that sounds really good, but I'm really liking the idea of Stingray and Piranha too. <laughs> um, Piranha is a lot of fun. Like I, I do feel like as far as Jaws knockoffs go, it's the best exploitation one. <laughs> All right. It's, it's Roger Corman. It's like classic Corman. You got Joe Dante. Uh, the effects are pretty good. You got some really fun stunts. I think I sent you that one where just all fucking hell breaks loose, where uh, there's the 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 water skier and like uh, the the lines cross and uh, someone has to dodge it and like a speedboat runs over another speedboat and explodes <laughs> and just suddenly everything's going and then like at the end of the clip i had suddenly you just get a shot of a bunch of piranhas going through water <laughs> it's like oh wow shit hit the fan suddenly and i feel like we've watched miami connection together before haven't we i feel uh, like probably we, must have. we did it for a movie night years ago yeah you know what? I think I'm going to go with Stingray because I don't know what hee-haw style humor is, and I want to find out. <laughs> You've never seen hee-haw? I have not seen hee-haw. It, it's like, uh, I think it's a Nashville show, and it's sort of like stage comedy where people just act like the dumbest hicks. Uh, <laughs> and you know, the, the, yeah, a, a donkey will come out and make a hee-haw sound at the end of like a scene. Is it like a, a a corny '70s and '80s variety show? I saw it so much as a kid. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay, Stingray, because that's probably the least likely one that I'm going to get to again soon. Whereas, like, okay. I can see myself getting through any of the Halloween, and you know, the Halloween is going to be a, a stack in and of itself, anyways. Yeah. And, I'll be rewatching Miami Connection here and there. 
and I love and my shark. I, I do want to see Piranha. So, like, I want to see all of these at some point. For sure, for sure. Uh, so we have a handful of additions as well. All uh, right. F- first up is Jacko. Jacko. Uh, <laughs> this is a no-budget direct-to-video mid-90s trash. Uh, apparently, it's one that takes itself very, very seriously. <laughs> uh, it's about this... There's this town where they executed some wizard years ago. Uh, and so they're being terrorized by a killer with a pumpkin head to get revenge uh, on this wizard that got executed. Uh, I hear it is completely demented. Right on. Uh, next up, the, the next one from the Doris Wishman set, Let Me Die a Woman. Uh, this is an exploitation documentary about Uh-oh. being transgender in 1977 uh, from Doris Wishman. <laughs> I, I hear it's an extremely mixed bag, but uh, sort of incredible uh, historical artifact. All right. Um, I, I could see this go. <laughs> yeah, There's a yeah, few directions right. I could see this going. From and, what uh, I hear, it goes in all of them. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Uh, next up is Don't Go in the House. Oh, oh, hold on one sec. I, I, I just, I left something in the house. I'm going to go over there. Uh, <laughs> and then after that, I won't go in the house. Uh, so this I is, need a shower, though. This is one of the ultimate video nasties uh, and genuinely nasty, like really grungy, really intense. The effects are surprisingly good. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, it's a slasher movie. There's this guy who has mommy issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a kid, his mom burned him with like, uh, uh, the the stove burner as punishment. So as an adult, he has a metal room in the basement and he abducts women and kills them with a flamethrower in it. Oh. Uh, as oh, I said, okay. shockingly good effects. So it's very intense. Uh, good shit. stuff, but like really crazy. And it's just like, he has all these dead bodies in the house, sort of like uh, Norman Bates, but like he talks to them and he has them dressed up in clothing and stuff. <laughs> And uh, the, the, he starts to get more and more of them and starts to argue with them more and more. <laughs> okay. uh, strange stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up is Skip Tracer, which is a Canadian crime picture. Uh, interestingly, from the same director as the Billy Blanks, Jalal Murray uh, virtual arts academy movie, Expect No Mercy, that I watched a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> this is <laughs> one from. guy. Yeah, and th- this one's from like 20 years earlier. It's a 70s Vancouver crime picture. Uh, this guy's a repo man, debt collector dude, and uh-huh. he, he wants to remain number one in his agency by any means necessary. So he's just totally ruthless in it. And he's just trying to track down their biggest delinquent account so he can remain man of the year at his business. Yeah, right. I, I haven't seen it, cool. but it sounds pretty cool. All right. <clears throat> And last up is Backwoods Mercy, uh, a grungy shot on video picture about this crazy lady who lives in the Pine Barrens, the New Jersey Pine Barrens. Mm-hmm. And uh, she abducts a yuppie and keeps him in a cage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, uh, on the back cover of the, the slip cover, it says she's homeless and hungry for sex, blood and revenge. <laughs> Uh, I've been hungry for food before. Hungry for revenge. 
Uh, I'm also mostly looking for a home when I'm homeless, but yeah, you'd think the the revenge can come later, but it's not right. it's not going to be priority one for me. Yeah, if I'm homeless, right. Uh, so that's the last one. Uh, what do you figure for our main picture next week? Uh, what do I figure? Indeed, I am thinking. So let's see. We got Stingray is our is our secondary feature. Seventies car chase movie. Yeah. So why don't why don't we keep a theme going and do something with car in the title? And uh, let's go with Black Test Car. I've been I've been looking at this one off and on. Cool, cool. So this is a Japanese movie from the early 60s by Yasuso Mazamura about uh, a battle between two car manufacturers in post-war Japan. Uh, like they're both just like it's a corporate warfare. Uh, it's sort of a noir about them. Uh, just going to whatever lengths necessary uh, to uh, have the best new sports car in the market. And what they make is the Stingray that they use in <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Completely. Yeah, uh, car themes. All right, cool. So next week, uh, Black Test Car and Stingray. Uh, do you have any thoughts before we close for this evening? Yeah, I don't know if he saw the black test car or not, but after that, our relationship soured. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, so much for listening. And cookie woman. <laughs> <laughs>